I'll set them off. You'll hear when he comes in, but just yeah. bear with because I need to put this sort of noise uh, filter on afterwards as well. Okay. Okay. If you want to keep that go. bit in there at the start, I can because I was just using it. Now recording. Jesus Christ, that was um, official sounding. Very scary, yeah. Okay. Just um, wait till we get into the hit or miss section because I've got some fantastic sounds for you, Will. Oh, we're using new uh, sounds today, are we? <laughs> you, you, you have a yep. soundboard now. Uh, no, I he had it has for a the sound. first few hours. He has a soundboard, I do not. I find hilarious <laughs> though. Oh, this is going to be fun. Oh, it's it fun, is. definitely. <laughs> Just before we get started, I just want to remind you, ladies and gentlemen, we want a nice, clean fight. Yes. Please keep all hands and feet inside the cart at all times. Uh, yeah. From, from the discussion we were having yesterday, I do definitely feel like I'm going to be the mediator between the two of you, so please don't let things get out of hand. Okay. Oh, dear me. Okay. <laughs> Welcome to the Him Miss podcast. Today we have a new guest. This is episode two, and we are with Andrew Kemp. Hello, Andrew. Hi. Hi. <laughs> and today we'll be going through the ordinary sections. You've already seen it in episode one. And first of all, back to basics, because we messed it up in episode one. We're going to go by on this day, then hit or miss, then the episode review, then the news, which we did in episode three, which comes out next Sunday. After this episode. That'll be the Sunday after, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but I'm, I'm saying it in the perspective of the people watching this. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. So, Don't um, break the continuity. I know. Honestly. Episode, I gave Mike the reins in episode one, and he he just didn't remember the order we did in episode three. The day yeah, well, in terms of recording out of order, I've actually got my first time hosting without you tomorrow, so we'll see what a mess I make of that. <laughs> I know. Well, there's only two of you, so... True. It shouldn't be that much of a mess, just... No, I've got it all planned out and uh, written down, so hopefully I'll be fine. Brilliant. But, uh, Listen, well, just let, just to clarify, y your favourite doctor is, is Geordie. She's really great, yeah? Oh, yeah. She's my favourite. <laughs> 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 I just wanted to get that in there, sorry. Yeah, well, um, episode 4 hasn't came up yet, so Andrew has no idea what this uh, podcast is going to entail, except for the review, which we'll be going on to later. And mm -hmm. just as a clarification, we don't tell the viewers what episode we're going to review until we actually get there, okay? Yes. So section one is the um, on this day section, where I literally just go through what happened on the day that this is going to go up, which is the 25th of October. And I messed this up a couple of days ago, and Mike uh, had a go at me. It's definitely going up on the 25th of October, innit? Uh, I don't know, I've got it, it written must... somewhere, but... Uh, Looking at my calendar, 18th is tomorrow, episode 1, the 25th, 25th is next yeah. Sunday, yeah. which is the 25th. And That's I'm right. just going to go through the list, and you just tell me, your, just give me your thoughts on the episodes and what you think, okay? Mm -hmm. Now, the um, the website that I usually used is down. It's crashed this morning, and I can literally use every other website except from that one. So maybe they've just run out of money to, they haven't renewed the website, but I just can't access it. So I'm using an alternative website today. And unfortunately, this one only shows the episodes, not also the birthdays and the deaths. So it's just the episodes. So it's going to be a shorter on the stage section today. Without wasting any more time, let's get straight into it. Okay, the period of, the pyramids of Mars, part one, premiered in 1975. 
Ooh, interesting. I think we talked about the Pyramids of Mars last week, actually. Yeah, that's why I didn't really want to get into it, because I think we'll go a little bit more into it on um, episode, whichever um, one we record. Andrew, you watched it? Uh, yeah, I've watched the Pyramids of Mars twice now, I think, actually. What do you think of it? Uh, I think it's actually really pretty damn good. Uh, it was one of the first classic stories I watched because... Uh, so, one of the reasons I got so heavily into Doctor is because my dad's cousin, who we used to be really close with, uh, he he loves it, he has like, all the classics on DVD. Uh, and for, it was having my birthday or Christmas, he got me a bunch of them one year. And then he sort of recommended which ones to do. So he has no, he recommended Genesis, he recommended Terror of the Zygons, and then he recommended Pyramids of Mars. Right. Uh, and I thoroughly enjoyed all three, so. Well, that episode was broadcast 45 years ago, if my maths ain't failing me. Incredible. Jesus Christ, that episode is... Oof. Wow. <laughs> um, Full, Full Circle Part 1 premiered in 1980. I think we spoke about that one as well. Yeah. Um, Which one was that? Full Circle Part 1. I don't know if I've seen that one. No? Don't well, think so, if, no. If you have no comments, I'll just go straight to the next one. Mind Warp Part 8 in 1986. Okay. And In the Forest of the Night, broadcast for the first time on this day in 2014. Oh, I think oh, you know my opinion on that uh, one. <laughs> uh, I um, I, I adore. I I adore the Capaldi era. I love Stephen Moffat as a writer and as a showrunner, but Jesus Christ, that episode is garbage. Thank you. Thank you. It is yes. correct. I, I I consistently rank it as one of the worst episodes of the modern era of Who. I hate it yes. so much. Absolutely true. Yep. See, we're on the same page for, for, to start I, off I, with. I That's a good start, at least. I just can't. It's just not as. It's all over the mess, and I don't like the character of Danny. I used to like him, but my most recent rewatch was like, what's the point? And what's the point of this episode? It's nothing. It's just melodramatic at times, and it's, it just adds nothing to the show. It's, it's a poor episode. But yeah. Uh, 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 oh, sorry, go for it. No, I was just going to say I pretty much agree. I don't think there's any major redeemable qualities in it. It doesn't help that the episode is just completely filled with children, which I don't like, so <laughs> that, that makes it a bit more difficult. <laughs> well, that's the end of this section, which is a short um, one today, unfortunately. Just, just to clarify, Will, if you want to make it a little bit longer, I have yeah, got a little bit of... Um, I found a thing with some more information. Unfortunately, it still doesn't contain birthdays and, uh, and death dates or anything, okay. but it does have other bits and pieces on this day, which will be October the 25th, right. um, which I was able to find, so... In terms of uh, Doctor Who related stuff, uh, in 1975, part one of the TV comic story The Space Ghost was published. Uh, I've I never no heard of it. <laughs> no. Yeah, 1979 on this day, a couple of things uh, that were on newsstands. Terry Nation's Dalek Special by Target Books, which I have actually heard of. I've heard some good things about it. Um, and the third issue of Doctor Who magazine as well on the same day. I used to love that magazine. Uh, I used to buy it. Yeah, it's great. Um, and I don't know if you mentioned this, but I, I didn't hear because I was trying to look this up. Um, in 1989, the, the first part of Curse of Fenric was broadcast on this day. Oh, Where was it? it, it oh. On the website I looked at. There was another big one that you missed as well in terms of, because um, you definitely didn't say this one. In well, 2010, I'm on um, the 25th of October, which is the, the date we're going out, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, I've, I've, yeah, I've got all the other ones you mentioned, Mind Warp, Full Circle, Pyramids of Mars. Well, I'm never but using yeah, that in, website um, again. 
in 2010, part one of Death of the Doctor was first broadcast. The Sarah Jane Adventure story on CBBC. Oh, okay. Uh, I, I love Death of the Doctor. I think it's one of the best Sarah Jane Adventure stories. Uh, yeah. And I think you also mentioned Curse of Fenric, didn't you? Yes, uh, part one of Curse that, of Fenric aired on this of, day. Yeah. That is one of my all-time favourite classics. Yep, same. I, I love that. I love the Curse of Fenric. I remember when I first met Sophie Aldred back in my first convention in, I think, 2014. That was about a week after I'd first watched that story. So when oh, I was yeah, talking to good. her, she asked me, like, you know, just general Doctor Who questions. And when she was like, oh, how much of the Seventh Doctor era have you seen? And, I was, and the Seventh is Phil's favourite Doctor, so I've seen quite a lot of it up to that point. And I was like, oh, I've seen, seen uh, a fair like amount of it, but Curse of Enric is definitely my favourite. And she was like, oh, yeah, yeah, that's also my favourite. I loved filming that. So, yeah, cool. that was really good. Um, yeah, so obviously... Um, I mentioned, didn't I, that uh, part one of Death of the Doctor as well, so obviously along with that, episode three of Sarah Jane's Alien Files premiered. Um, the story The Seeds of Doom, which we've mentioned a couple of times, was released on Region 2 DVD. Uh, just let me have a quick look through. And the first episode of Classmates was released on YouTube. I presume that was a companion series for class, although I'm not sure. <laughs> yeah, I, no, I don't know if I've ever really heard of that. Let me double check actually, because there's a clickable link here. Yes, it is. It was basically the equivalent of Doctor Who Confidential, but for class. Yeah, I'm just um, having a look at YouTube now, and it's basically just um, interviews with the with the cast, I believe. Yeah, or it's just like a finally, recap of the episode. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and finally, the vinyl version of the Abominable Snowmen was first released, which I only mentioned because obviously that's still a, a lost story, so it's pretty much the only way to experience it unless you watch the recaps or the uh, telly snap. What website did you use to get that? I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> I just typed in, I just typed in Doctor Who that October twenty fifth, and then clicked uh, on what well, came up. <laughs> I, I just used sky.doctorwhonews.net and that didn't work today. So okay. I used the next best one, and it missed half of it. So that's... Bear with and I'll tell you which one I did use, because it'll um, presumably be in my history here somewhere. So... Oh, man. Where are we? Um, yeah, so... The, oh, it's the, um, the... Just the random TARDIS wiki. Oh, right, so okay. It's the top result when I typed in Doctor Who in today's date. So, yeah, it's just the, the actual uh, Doctor Who wiki. Guys, if since, my since guy is wrong, blame him. <laughs> I was just going to ask, since it was mentioned, I'm kind of curious to hear your opinions. What did you two think of class? Oh, uh, we talked we about mentioned this in episode it. one. Uh, we really yeah. like it. Yeah. I liked it as well. I I see why people maybe weren't that big a fan of it, but personally, I really, really enjoyed it, and I wish they had have gotten a second season. Oh, yeah, I agree. What's your favourite episode from this series one? Probably Night Visiting. I really liked that oh. one. That's, that That's was interesting. One, I think not one we mentioned. Yes, yeah. all three of us have a different favorite episode. Then, yeah. Well, what's what Shaw twos? Oh, uh, mine was um, the metaphysical engine, or what Quill did was. But I've that one that is also different. phenomenal. Yeah. And my favorite is Detained, which I like. Is that the one that's sort of like the counterpart to the metaphysical? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. The one where the yeah. room I think it's meteor. the one where they're stuck in the classroom and then it morphs into like a. A different realm, and then yeah, yeah, it, it is. At it the is, end, he zooms out from the box, and it goes into an alien planet. And I always thought yeah. that scene was uh, poor CGI, but I, I have a weird 
feeling for it. It's just like a soft spot. It's, uh, I like. You've basically just listed the best three episodes, then, I think. In my oh, opinion. I don't know. I'd I, I, I definitely always stick up for, um, I think, co-owner of A Lonely Heart is great as well. And um, obviously, you know, the pilot for Tonight We Might Die is, is great. So Actually, yeah. I don't think there's, there's not many of the episodes I don't like other than I'm not a huge fan of Coach with the Dragon Tattoo. I was about, I was about to mention, I think that's probably the weakest. That's the weakest, of the yeah. Absolutely, yeah. But I didn't realise there were so many episodes, because I've only watched the once, and I only remembered about <laughs> five episodes. But then when you started rallying them off earlier, I thought... Where are these all coming from? I had no idea. I, I was the opposite. For some reason, I just assumed there was like 10 to 12 episodes, and I think there's only eight. Because I, I literally... Uh, only eight. I thought there was only five. That must no, no, there's definitely... There, there's, that must have been children if I was thinking of. There's For Tonight We Might Die, Coach with the Dragon Tattoo, Night Visiting. Then there's the two-parter in the middle, which is... I can't remember both parts, but I know one's called Co-Owner of a Lonely Heart. And then it's uh, Detained, What Quill Did, and then it's The Lost. So there's eight in total, I believe. Right. Awesome. Well, um, we because go. we decided we were going to we were gonna mention it and review a chosen episode that we haven't decided yet, um, I did actually buy the DVD set for myself this week because it was like four quid on eBay, and I like that series. And it's been taken off Netflix, which I did. I said it was on there um, last time. So when, when you hear me say that in a future podcast recording, I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just trying to look up um, the polls to see which one came out on top. Because I think that um, in each poll, there's one that's mm -hmm. uh, way out. So well, I can tell you what they are, because I've been looking at it regularly. I've, um, I've got them up now, if you want me to. That's true. Um, so the Sarah Jane Adventures, um, Death of the Doctor is winning. Then Tortured, Everything Changes is winning. And then in class, for, night, for tonight we might die is winning. So it's for um, Tortured and class, it's the first ever episode. Yep. <laughs> Which we should have expected, to be honest. Yeah, to be fair, okay. we didn't include in the Sarah Jane uh, choices um, Invasion of the Bane, I um, but I don't think it would have come. I don't think it would have come close to the two episodes that actually featured the Doctor. So perhaps I, I think it would have got more than like the Vault of Secrets, which which is on zero percent, and then the Empty Planet, which is on four point eight percent. Yeah, I was really excited because I thought I wanted to review the Vault of Secrets, but we're not going to be doing that. Well, we, we, may, we may decide for a series too, then we can go ahead and do it. There's lots of episodes, so it, there's always plenty is, of content. Is, is the Vault of Secrets the one where the Androvax comes back? I'm trying to I, remember. I think so. I think so. It, it's the mini black one. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's the one where the, the, the veil alien comes back and... Because uh, I want to say it possesses Rani's mum? Gita? I think? Mm. Anyway, I'm right. trailing off, sorry. I can barely remember it. <laughs> Sorry, I wish I could contribute for that. <laughs> we just have to go through them all just to see what we think. Yeah. Well, guys, I think we should wrap that up and now go to the hit or miss section. Yes, please. I, I think it's pretty self-explanatory. I just go through a list of 10 things that some people like, some people don't, and you guys tell me whether it's a hit, which is favourable, or a miss, unfavourable. Okay. okay. Uh, the first one, Dreamland. Ooh, um, I, seen this. I have. Um, do you want my opinion it, via sound clip? I is do. this the animated one? This is the David Tennant animated thing. With, yeah. three, with Martha. I think so. Yes. I think it is. I've, well, I remember watching it once. No, I don't think Martha's in that one. Isn't that the infinite quest that she's in? But Dreamland's the Doctor kind of solo. 
Um, but just to cut it out, and it is the Doctor Solo. I think the Infinity yeah. Quest is with Martha. Dreamland was the first appearance of the Men in Black that later appeared in um, Seventeen Adventures, and I'm sure oh, George and Martha yeah, is one of the yeah. voices. Yeah. Yeah, I just blanked. Yeah, okay, I remember now. And the Infinity Quest has Martha Jones and some spider human-looking thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm just googling it now. So um, yeah, so if you remember Dreamland now, uh, what are your thoughts then, guys? Uh, then you want to give you a sound clip? Oh, sorry. Okay, bear with. Uh, my thoughts on this. I am on the fence. Really? But I am uh, oh wow! Did you cause that? <laughs> Just put a filter over. I I may have found a Dalek voice changer. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> wow, this this podcast just got even better. <laughs> you know, um, I remember it being broadcast on CBBC on Life Repeats, and when it, this came out, I was young and I was an avid viewer of CBBC, and because I was just getting into the show, um, I found this really interesting, and then I watched it, and I loved it. I don't think it would be this that good on rewatch now, but because of nostalgia purposes, I really like it. I would say it's it's completely inoffensive. I don't think it's got anything in it where you're like, that was a terrible decision, or that's really bad. But at the same time, it's got nothing super memorable either. As I said, I think the most uh, the most sort of thrilling part to come out of it was the fact that the aliens then came out on to feature in Sarah Jane, so it kind of made the thing canon. But otherwise, it's not that notable. Yeah, I pretty much agree with everything you just said there. I, I do remember the uh, first scene where the spaceship crashes and then the Doctor emerges. Mm. That's similar to like the Doctor Falls, but uh, that came ten years after. But the Dreamland yeah. so we got one, uh, two hits. Andrew, what were you saying? Hit or miss? Uh, I'll I'll go again. Nothing inoffensive. I don't remember it particularly well, but uh, clearly it, it can't have been that bad if I'm not like going on about how dreadful it was. So I'll I'll give it like a soft hit. A soft hit. Okay, that's three hits for Dreamland. Now, the next two we mentioned in the last episode we recorded, and I said, don't talk about it, we're going to mention this in the next, um, here on this oh. section. Um, okay. Fugitive of the Jadoon. Oh, okay, um, Andrew, do you want to... Itself. I know you're going to say hit, hit, and I'm going to say miss, hard miss, and then, ah, oh, well, go for it. Andrew? I think it's an absolute hit. I really, really, really like that episode. I remember when it first aired. I... I... I've not, I'm not like in love with the Chibnall era as of yet, but I also don't hate it. I sort of take it as it comes at the moment because it, it sort of seems to depend episode by episode whether I like it or not. But I remember sitting down to watch Fugitive, I thought it was just going to be a normal run of the mill story and like, oh, the Jaduna bat, that's cool. And then it just became so much more, and it, it, I was along for the ride, absolutely loved it. Definitely the strongest episode of the year, in my opinion, so it's an absolute hit hmm. for me. Okay. Um, well, I'll give my clip and then some further thoughts, but in terms of my opinion on this... It's a miss for me, Will. Yeah, sorry, I, it's a miss for me. <laughs> I, I'm very I surprised by that. I, I think that my issue with the episode is that I got really annoyed at everybody who was blinded by the fact that it just has a big revelation in it, because otherwise it's got no story. 
at all. Thank you. Other than the other yes. than the big revelation, there's nothing there. It's just a series of things that happen and don't go anywhere. They either set up something else further down the line, or they're just abandoned completely. And uh, yeah, the overall story just isn't that interesting. If you basically boil it down, it, it, you can explain it in like two sentences. It's basically there's a Jadoon crime force after the Doctor, and there are pre-Hartnell Doctors. Oh, and Jack, Captain Jack's around, but don't worry about that because we're not going to do anything with him. So. Okay, so, well, I said I loved the episode, and it is a hit for me. I didn't say I thought it was perfect. <laughs> uh, I, I will definitely agree the Jack thing did kind of just come out of nowhere, and as nice as it was to see him, I did very much get the impression that this was Chibnall sort of going, oh, look, we've got plans, and I was like, okay, well, can you do yeah. something with them, please? Um, uh, yeah. yeah, for me, it was just like, it was a Series 11 episode with a lot of um, fan enjoyment uh, elements added into it. If you slide that into Series 11 without Jack and just put it into Series 11, it would fit right in, right into the mediocre section. And because it's in Series 12, which is rated slightly higher, just because, in my opinion, because of all the um, the fan wank kind of stuff, it's the um, Jack, you've got the new Doctor, um, what else do you have? You've got the Jadun, you've got uh, the Master, and I think if you took all these surprises away, and if they, they were spoiled before, would it be rated so highly? And for that reason, um, if you wanted a good Jadun story, go to Series 3. Smith & Jones, that's a great Jadun story, even though they're not utilised amazingly, they're utilised better than in the Fugitive of the Jadun. And Series 3, okay. in my opinion, is just a complete... Um, Series 12 is a complete rip-off of Series 3. I think I got that oh, um, no. mixed up initially. But if you were to it's watch Series 3 and then you were to watch Series 12, the parallels are clear and it, it's just a, a copy. And I think... Um, I don't agree with that. No? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, you've got the Jadoon. You've got the Master. You've got the Pocket Watch giving regeneration energy. That the Two of those things are in Fugitive of the Jadoon. You've got Captain Jack's Return, Series 3 and Series 12. They're, they're all, yeah, that's but just structure, structurally speaking, I would say it's a lot more similar to some of the Capaldi-era ones. In terms of, like, the Master being in the premiere and the finale, it's very reminiscent of Series 9 and 10. And um, it's the Capaldi era was the other one that had two-part finales that had the Master and the Cybermen in. So right. I, I personally think it's more reminiscent of the Capaldi era than anything in the RTD era. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I kind of agree with both of you because I've not, I sort of realised it was kind of an, an amalgamation of all sorts of different things that happened in New Who. So like we said, we got a new Master appearing and obviously we got the revelation of that. We got the whole um, Fobwatch Energy Chameleon Arch sort of thing with the Ruth Doctor. Uh, we had the Jadoom, we had the... Uh, the Master and the Cybermen double-hander. Uh, a lot a lot of the stuff that... There was other ones as well, I'm trying to remember what. But there was a lot of stuff that it seemed to almost borrow from other series of the show. Not just Series 3, but a few different ones. I um, think that's going to that's that's happen in any of, show, though, isn't it? Especially true, if it's like but, 50 but, odd but, years old. You know? True, but the fact that you've got like the specific revelation of a new Doctor we didn't even know about, that's just straight out of Series 7. Right. Mm. Uh, well, yeah, yeah. No, I was um, just I was trying to think if there was anything else, but I think that's it. Well, I did have other thoughts on Fugitive of the Jadoon because I think I'm in the opposite camp in terms of why I dislike it to um, to you, Will. Um, because it, Will. I would say if you just had it as a nice kind of pleasant Jadoon story, 
um, and cut out Jack and Ruth. I think that would be that would be good. It wouldn't be like, oh, this is one of my top 10 out of 10 episodes, but it would be on a par with, say, um, the Jadoon eps of Sarah Jane Adventures. Just, you know, nice, pleasant, enjoyable enough, nothing bad about it. Um, and I do love the Captain Jack scenes because they're really well acted and I think John Barrowman's great um, and all the interactions fantastic. But the scene yeah. is just because it doesn't go anywhere and it doesn't pay off within that season, it just really jars because it, it doesn't have any purpose in the episode. I think you it know? was very jarring in the episode itself because one yeah. moment you've got the June on contemporary Earth and then you've got these mad uh, scenes with Jack going around the TARDIS console with Graham. And I think yeah. th this is going nowhere and it's also taken away from the Jodie section of the episode, the Jodie yeah. and the companions, and I thought... This is just a waste, and I've—it uh, was a waste of Jack. And if he doesn't return yeah. next series or in the special, I'll, I'll be disappointed. Yeah, absolutely. And um, in terms of the Fugitive Doctor, it's not a popular opinion, but I don't like her. Not because I have any huge issue with the idea of, although we'll get into that later, you know, pre heart no doctors oh. or whatever. <laughs> but I just think in in Fugitive of the Jadoon, that character doesn't act like the Doctor. And everybody fawning over her, like, oh, she should have been the Doctor instead of Jodie, she's much better. She's absolutely not. She's super violent. She rips a Jadoon's horn off. And mm. we're all supposed to be like, oh, she's the great hero of the series who, you know, as soon as she gets her identity, it turns out she's essentially a sort of space FBI agent who isn't afraid to get a little bit physical and do violence. And that's not the Doctor at all, you know. Um, plus, it has the most egregious continuity error in Doctor Who, which bugs me to this moment and which they still haven't explained and which I'm worried they're not gonna. <laughs> and I think, uh, yeah. So, any guesses on what that is? I'm guessing you got you all know what I'm talking about. There we go. You're back. Sorry, my audio oh. completely cut out, so I couldn't yeah, hear. Oh, anything. sorry about uh, that. Andrew just messaged me. Kyle, do you want to repeat that for his sake? Or yeah, um, well, essentially, I won't repeat it all uh, because yeah, the just, podcast listeners like, will hear it. But in summary, I didn't like the specific incarnation of the Ruth Doctor because in that episode, she doesn't act like the Doctor. She's a bit too violent and gung ho, and the whole idea of working for you know the, the space division and everything, I don't, I don't really like. Um, okay, fair enough. But, I, I can I can understand that. But I also um, said, and uh, I'll ask you the question as well. It also this episode bugs the ever living crap out of me because it has the most egregious continuity error in Doctor Who, and uh, I'll see if you guys know what I'm talking about. I'm guessing you do. No oh, man, um, continuity. Oh. It's it was all over kind of the internet, and I, it bugs me to no end that it still hasn't been explained. And I get why it's there but I'll, I'll see if you know what i mean um andrew is it because i saw a thing about like is it to do with the uh like ruth not knowing that the sonic screwdriver is or something no that makes sense i'm fine with was that it the, oh okay. was it the um the tardis it was the tardis oh, yeah there? of course because if it's a pre-hartnell doctor then why on earth would the tardis be a police box yeah, I mean, I get the idea that in the episode itself, Chibnall wanted to go for the visual of, you know, brush off the dirt and it's the familiar police public call box blue thing. It makes absolutely no sense. If the first time they did that was, you know, 1963, when the first Doctor um, and like Susan we, kind we of arrived. We reviewed that episode, Unearthly Child, and so you mentioned it, how, um, how that was the first time, according to mm. the dialogue, that the TARDIS got stuck as a police box, because before... Yeah. It was always different, and it was yeah, only a I mean, peace box in London, modern day, back in the day, sixty-three. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, he does. He specifies that it's the first time the chameleon circuit hasn't worked. Which, I mean, admittedly, he doesn't have the memories or whatever. But 
uh, it's way too convenient to assume that the Ruth Doctor previously had an adventure somewhere in you know the 50s or 60s or where there was a, a police boxes were a thing just happened to disguise her TARDIS as that yet ended up in like the 20th 21st century had the chameleon circuit not work or just didn't activate it I mean I, I, yeah it's way more exciting of a visual to see the familiar TARDIS but really it should have just been the sort of steel cylinder thing that we saw in um, in name of the doctor it shouldn't have looked like a police box yeah. yeah, I and to be fair, knowing or having an idea of what Chibnall's writing style has been like as a showrunner, he's either just going to completely brush over that, or his explanation is going to be exactly what you just said. Yeah, exactly. Okay, you guys, uh, let's wrap that uh, bit up. What would, with your rating, what would you rate Fugitive of the Jadoon out of 10? We've ended up reviewing that episode when we didn't intend it. <laughs> I know, that could be the episode of you, to be honest. We spent about a quarter of an hour on that. Exactly, yeah. Come on, let's get a rating then. Our 10. Go on, Andrew, I'll let you go first. And, and um... just to clarify, guys, this isn't the episode for you. This is the hit or miss section. Don't worry, <laughs> we're going to go on to the actual episode later. Andrew, go for it, sorry. I I always go between like an eight and a half or a nine. I genuinely really really love this episode, and I do think it's the strongest of the era. Uh, but I do see its flaws. I can I can get behind why why people would dislike it. Okay, Mike. And I'd give it a four out of ten. That's always been what I'd said. So at the I'd time and everything. A four. Well. <laughs> I I didn't expect that. I thought you were going to side with Andrew there. Andrew was going to side with Mike, but okay. I was expecting you to give that like a nine or something. No, <laughs> I'm I'm a complete enigma. Just wait until you. Now that you've heard that, you may think I have a very different opinion of the episode that we do review later. Yeah, but, uh, I was just we'll get thought, Oh, it's going to give that episode like an eight or a nine or a ten, and you may still do, but that's giving me a bit of doubt now. I think you're going to give like a six or a seven. That's my prediction anyway. Maybe a seven. I'll say seven. Watch him give it a ten now that I said that. <laughs> Frantically typing, changing. <laughs> Next one. If I got that right, you guys have to like this video. Watching, like this video now. Uh, if anyone's actually listening, this could flop. This could get like ten views. Who cares? Oh, it better not. It better not. No, I, I don't think it will. I reckon it will get. How many views do you guys think the podcast is actually going to get? Just don't put that pressure on me, dude. <laughs> I, d I don't like to say because it's either going to sound like um, really Which ridiculous and I'll give yeah. I'll give a high number and everyone will be like, there was like four people or, exactly. you know. <laughs> but I'll appreciate every single listen and every bit of interaction, oh, yeah. but I'm going to plug the ever-loving poop out of it and send it to all my social medias and tell every Who fan to listen. Yeah. And I think if we point out the episodes that we're reviewing... Um, and let people know and direct them to it. I think this one in particular might get a lot of views. So. <laughs> I was thinking about this yesterday. I, I just finished um, the the rewatch to review it, and I was sat there about five minutes later, and I was like, "Why of all the episodes to ask me to be on? Did they pick the one where they're going to be reviewing the most controversial?" <laughs> That's right, ladies and gentlemen, we're reviewing Dimensions in Time! <laughs> <laughs> but the, the thing is, uh, when we were actually talking about formally in this podcast after I announced it and just talking about what we were going to do, we actually decided to pick controversial episodes or like middling episodes where some people may say it's good, some may say it's bad, which is why we're doing this today and which is why we've done other episodes. But episode yeah. three, actually, we got an episode and everyone uh, had the same opinion on it. 
that's spoilery, but there we go. Everyone just mm. we came up with very similar ratings, but I won't spoil it. I won't spoil I it. I think that well, there was enough differentiation in what we liked and didn't like that it's not boring though. Um, if I may say so myself, I think there's enough difference in why we liked things, and yeah. even within sort of the same opinion overall, I think. There were things some of us liked that some didn't, and vice versa. But the thing um, is, but... in, ep in episode one, um, you guys gave the episodes a super low rating, well, not super low, but a low rating, and I gave it a high rating. So there is um, conflict and views in the episodes, so don't worry. Again, we clarified at the time, though, that it depends how you, which we can say, because episode one will be out. It, again, yeah. just to clarify, it depends how you classify it. If you're classifying the episode, An Unearthly Child, we all thought it was like a, you know, a note perfect. But if you're talking the whole thing as, you know, 100,000 BC, whatever you want to call it, the four-part serial, yeah, three out of four parts are not good. <laughs> so... yeah, Andrew, uh, you haven't seen episode one yet because it's not out, but what would you rate an Unearthly Child out of ten? Again, I'm kind of basically thinking the same sort of thing as you guys. Like, most of the parts are just oh. kind of there and kind of dull and not much happens but the actual unearthly child part itself is is really quite good so yeah <laughs> that that is not gonna work will i'm not gonna, i'm not i'm not susceptible to, you're not a silence i'm not uh, susceptible to post-hypnotic suggestion uh, uh, i'll give it like a, a, a middle ground sort of five i guess see that's what we did <laughs> oh, maybe I'm just out of touch. There we go. No, listen, as I said at the time, and I think uh, it's worth reiterating, in the world of missing episodes where everybody clamours to want to see every little thing, it's not a great sign that you can go from departing in the TARDIS at the end of the episode An Unearthly Child straight to the Daleks and lose absolutely nothing at all. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's just the nostalgia that gave me such a high rating. Because I just love that episode. Well, I don't love it because I, I love the first episode of it. But then the fr uh, three other parts, they're not awful. Because you guys kind of like implied in the review that they were poor. And I thought, I can I can get where you're coming from. But it's, it's not bad. Overall, it's not bad. Agree to disagree. But yeah, I just wanted to say as well, um, to clarify, I was making a joke earlier. We're not reviewing Dimensions in Time this episode. But stay tuned. <laughs> oh yeah, teasing future episodes there. No, I'm not gonna be in that one. Rest in peace. Well, <laughs> you're not gonna die, Will. <laughs> Let's not put that energy into the universe, because <laughs> I'm not taking over this entire like eleven episodes without you now. Well, uh, well, yeah, we'll clarify that at the end because we didn't talk about that in episode three, which we'll, we'll clarify that you're not dying. Yes. We'll <laughs> Well, we started that um, that rambling at 20 minutes into the recording, and we're now at 40 minutes. And that was just oh, one wow. little section of Hill Miss. And this is another really controversial one. Torchwood Miracle Day. Oh. Do you want to go, Andrew? Andrew. I'm very middle of the road with Miracle Day. I'm not. I... Mm -hmm. The thing don't, if, don't let him play if, pressure you. Don't let him play pressure if, you. If I'm comparing it to other seasons of Torchwood, specifically like season two and especially Children of Earth, I'd probably give it a miss. Okay. Well, my opinion on this. Play. It's a miss for me. Where 
It's an absolute miss. It's one of the worst pieces of any Doctor Who content I have ever seen. I hate it with genuine passion to the point that I literally have the other three series of Torchwood on DVD and Blu-ray in the case of Children on Earth. I just didn't bother with Miracle Day because it's terrible. <laughs> Sorry. In the style of Jeremy Clarkson, oh no. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I would I would give it a hit. I, I won't elaborate. I'll just give it a hit and leave it at that. Okay. Well, we may end up reviewing it at some point. So exactly. Uh, next one, the Big Bang. <laughs> okay. Okay. What are you do? You know. You know. Okay. Hang on. Yeah, we know. But <laughs> yeah. Do not like it. Man. Ow. No, it's fine. <laughs> you, you've oh. got me to back me back you up on this one, Will. Oh no. Yeah, thank you. Oh, do you want to go first before? Oh, I you go? better give me a chance to reply then. <laughs> oh, absolute I hit! I think it's phenomenal. The big bang. It's really, really, yeah. really freaking good in my opinion. It's not. Yeah, if you watch the whole two, if it, it is, if you watch the whole two part, the Pandora opens, the Big Bang, back to back. It's like that it's makes so it action paced. It's so brilliant. The music, the music is spectacular. The acting is great for the most part. It's definitely the most consistent acting in series five, in my opinion, because it's very hit or miss over the course of the series. But even the Pandora opens and the Big Bang especially. There's not one bad I, I'd also argue it's one of the most got, tightly plotted finales just because of how interwoven it was was into like the entire season. Um like I think it's all yes. very, very yeah. meticulously planned out. To the point I, I know it probably gets up quite a lot, but um I, I think it kinda of proves its point with the whole thing with the jacket in Flesh and Stone, the fact that so many people thought that was just a missight and then oh no, it was actually planned. It was all part of the plot, like Oh, I, I, Stephen he Moffat. really is. I, I, <laughs> Mike, 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 seriously, <laughs> to give you an idea of how much I love this episode, I have one tattoo. That tattoo is the quote, we are all stories in the end, just make it a good oh, one. Oh, I love that. I love, I'm, I'm not saying there's nothing, I'm not saying the episode's irredeemable with nothing to like, and that speech in particular, and Matt Smith's performance, especially in that scene. That was in the Pandora opens, not the Big Bang. No. No, it's 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 in the big bang. I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong, I'm wrong. It's when he's comforting little Amy in the bed. (laughs) Yes, I'm sorry. That just sounds really wrong. Let's move on. (laughs) So, anyway, just speak to give me the right to reply for a second if you don't mind. Yeah, no worries. At the time, and every time since, it feels to me like part one is setting up a completely different episode to what you get in part two. 100%. Part one ends... No, it's a terrible thing. Part one ends promising so much because it's given you, you know, Easter egg references to not just every sort of alien and monster in New Who, but, you know, things as far back as, I think, the Dravins and some random aliens, you know, going back to First and Second Doctor's era. And then there's a massive army of all of these kind of costumes and effects and, you know, Daleks, Sidemen, Sontarans, I could go on all day naming them, all facing down against the Doctor. At the end of part one, thinking, leading you to think, oh, there's going to be some epic battle. The Doctor's trapped, and yet there's this army of evil to face the universe. And then part two begins, and there's one Dalek that's turned to stone. 
Yeah, but I'm standing. It, it literally exterminates the doctor. All those things couldn't kill him, and then the Dalek actually does. You can't river. Uh, badass. She's got a gun. She kills it. It died. That line, epic. It's and not the episode we were promised, and I hate that it's like I, I'm not disputing. Like I don't think Moffat's a genius, and I think season five is a perfect example of Moffat writing things that he thinks are going to be really cool in that uh... pretentious way, and then writing around trying to fit that into a narrative. And um, it's not necessarily in that episode or in Series 5 itself, but the perfect example of that is the scene with um, the Doctor going back to visit young Amy at the end of Amy and Rory's tenure, which makes no sense in context. Like, I get that th that's kind of loud, fills in the gap in the 11th hour, but it doesn't, because Amy specifies quite clearly that you never went back. So <laughs> you can't have your cake and eat it, and you can't do this whole time paradoxy thing. And Moffat uses it in the worst possible way to get out of scrapes by just saying, "Oh well, I'm free because I will be," and then that will happen. And it's it's nonsensical. It's the worst use of time travel. It's no, I I detest it. If <laughs> I may just offer, offer us, yeah. uh, if I may just offer an opinion, just going off of what you were saying about how it built up to something that then didn't happen. I I don't know what Will's thoughts are on this. I love the fact that it's a more sort of um, what's the word I'm looking for? Sort of downplayed finale because with Russell T Davies, as much as his era is 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 pretty brilliant for the most part, all of his finales were very overblown, huge battles like oh the Daleks they're invading the space station and then the Daleks are the and they're invading Earth. There's nothing wrong with it. But it was really nice to have a difference for once, and I feel like the fact that that two-part story in itself is probably my re most rewatched story. It's a long one, because obviously the Big Bang Bang's nearly an hour long, and Pandorica's nearly 50 minutes, so it's not a short one. But the fact that I can rewatch that so many times, even though, to be honest, in the Big Bang there's not a lot of action, I exactly. Think no, but that's the point. It's timey wimey, which Moffat excels at. But it's, it's not though. It's, ti it's timey wimey in the way that makes no sense. Like Moffat no, can be clever with this. It's a complicated. It's not. Well, it's not complicated because is you can understand it, so it's not complicated. But, yeah, but you uh, can understand it because he just basically breaks his own rules and says, "Yeah, but but time travel, so it's fine." It's, no, I hate that. It doesn't work that way. And he does other stories throughout his tenure, and, and even, you know, ridiculous things like Curse of Fatal Death, which uses time travel in that way really cleverly and really genius. But you don't write yourself into a corner by going, you know, you're in this most inescapable prison. You're not getting out. It's not going to happen. Oh, how am I going to write out of this one? Are you just out? Because you are. And then that's how you get out, because you're already out, because that's time travel. No, it's not. That's nonsense. <laughs> If I may just offer, again, just one more little little bit just to add to that point of the whole paradox of the Doctor essentially letting himself out, because I know for a fact uh, my partner also agrees with you on that point. He hates that that whole yeah. he gets out with by letting himself out. The, the thing that I always take away from that is that the reason that paradox is allowed to happen is because at the end of the day, the universe now doesn't exist. It's like, it's just one little pocket now where, because obviously the Earth is the epicenter, so there's not really anything to destroy by there being a paradox because the universe is gone already. Which is fine, but then you're basically creating that rule which doesn't exist. Again, you've written yourself into a corner and thought you've also cleverly written yourself out of it, but it doesn't hold up to scientific scrutiny, which I know is ludicrous if you're talking about something like time travel that doesn't exist. But <laughs> I was going to say, we are talking about... 
like thousands of year old aliens who regenerate. And to be honest, yeah, absolutely. But it's meant to be a bit but fun. it's weird how literally it's the only time that I can think of where it breaks the sort of established rules of time travel that the show itself goes to pains to set up. Right, like, right. Let me put uh, it to you this way: if this was in series eleven, where would it rank? Uh-huh. Would it be near the top? Would it near be near the bottom? If it would still be terrible. It... So it would be near the bottom. It would probably be worse if it was in series eleven because the the few things that are going for it wouldn't be in there. Like I think Matt Smith's performance across both parts is what basically makes the episode watchable. It's what stops it from veering into sort of fear her forest of the night territory where I just couldn't even rewatch it. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt Smith is brilliant, and I think Arthur Darvel has some fantastic moments. Karen Gillan is always great. You know, there's a reason she's basically gone on to be a movie star. And if it was in series eleven, you wouldn't have that. And you know, respect where it's due, but you know, Bradley Walsh isn't going to give you that level of gravitas. So... <laughs> All right, then, what would you guys treat the Big Bang? Out? Shush! He'll get the chases on you. Don't say that. Don't hunt you down. <laughs> well, we've spent ten minutes on the bad section again. Sorry. Just to wrap you up, what would you rate the Big Bang? Not the Pandora Coupons, the Big Bang out of 10. Me or, or Andrew? Both of you. Let's go for Andrew first. Uh, I would honestly give both parts an absolute 10. It's my all-time favourite story for a reason. I think it's phenomenal in pretty much every way, and I'm not going to apologise for that. <laughs> no, but that, no you shouldn't have to either. Um, just the Big Bang, I'll go 3 out of 10. <laughs> oh, I've, I've, turns out Will was right and I killed him. <laughs> Spoiler alert for the end of the podcast, Will's dead, everyone! <laughs> my, my hot take literally murdered him. Oh no. Oh he, died, he, di- he died of Moffatitis, he's gone now. Uh, uh, it's, it's fine, he'll come back and save his I own speak, life. I'm in trouble, if I speak I'm in trouble. <laughs> Just to clarify though, I don't I don't judge anybody who loves the episode because if they didn't go in with the same expectations I did, that's gonna automatically sort of um you know, put you on a better footing. And does, I, I truly understand there's lots to love. There are scenes in there that I love, but I don't think the story overall holds up. But I will shout out to, like, the River and the Dalek scene is fantastic. Like I said, anything with Matt Smith. I actually really love the ridiculousness of the Fez scenes. Like, that's... It, oh, it, yeah, the, the, the comedy in that part, in that yeah. whole section, is really good. That was I mean, if the episode exists for... the next bullet point in this section, Fez's. Okay. We already did Fez's. that. No, we talked we about Bowties. No, oh, okay, my bad. That was Bowties. Bowties are cool, we said. And now it's Fezzes, and Fezzes are cool, and it's a big hit for me. Okay, Andrew? I don't have any, any strong opinion either way, to be honest. Uh, I don't think they're a particularly fashionable accessory. Having said that, well, I am I mean, a in context, we're not talking... Accessory. <laughs> <laughs> we're not asking you to go buy one and wear it down the club. I know, I know, I know. Um, I, I'm going to go with, with a quote from River Song and just say what on the name of Sanity have you got on your head? That's my thought on Fezzes. Okay, well, my thoughts are a bit more uh, upbeat. Definitely. I hate. I hate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. How good am I at impersonating a Dalek, by the way? Definitely <laughs> <laughs> the software talking there. Nicholas Briggs, watch out. Well, yeah, you know it. I'm doing big finish now. 
<laughs> so two, we've got two hits, one miss then, I guess. Andrew, was that a miss from you, or...? Yeah, sure, I'll, I'll go for a miss, why not? <laughs> I think that's all we need to say about that, really, isn't it? Before we uh, take up even more time. Okay, the fifth Doctor. Oh. Oh, sorry, my phone keeps going off. I should really mute it. I heard that earlier, I thought, I, I, I genuinely, I heard that earlier in the podcast, I thought Kim Possible was calling. No, it's the Power Rangers uh, communicator bleep, it's, it's far worse. <laughs> I love how I'm the oldest person on here, yet my ringtone is from Power Rangers. Anyway. <laughs> Go ahead, Andrew, your thoughts on, um, I've I... forgotten what it was. Oh, the fifth Doctor. Doctor. I haven't seen enough of him to have a strong opinion, but what I have seen, I'm very net on. Uh, but I, I think every Doctor has a quality that is likeable and that they bring that's different. So I'm going to give him a very soft hit, I think. Mm. Uh, I will say... I hope this works. Definitely a hit. A hit. <laughs> oh, bless my attempts to be funny. <laughs> but yeah, actually... <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, um, I love the character of the Fifth Doctor, but I don't like many of his stories. But the acting and the character I love, absolutely. The thing that's, is, that's the, fair enough. Yeah, in the next episode, I, in episode three, I say... Um, he's in my bottom three doctors, but I don't hate him. So I'm uh, very conflicted right now because if I yeah, one, it's yeah, it's kind of like the sixth doctor in that I think, for example, if you listen to his big finish work, I think so, he he rises massively up, in my opinion, um, based on that. And like I said, if you just class his doctor, put him in better stories, I think with I hate saying this, but better writing, and I think your your opinion would go up. Your thoughts on on five in terms of like hit for the character, but hit, a lot of his stories are a bit a kind of meh. That is exactly my thoughts on thirteen. Yeah. Oh, okay, fair enough. I love. I'm I'm gonna say this now, uh, because it will get mentioned later. But I absolutely love the thirteenth Doctor. I think Jodie is actually really really good in the role. However, I think I think a lot of the writing lets her down. Okay. I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't argue with you on that. I'm not pinning you to a wall disagreeing. Because <laughs> um, like I, I always, if I was asked like, oh, what's your least favorite series? I would without a doubt say series eleven, no question. However, mm. it's not down to the fact that oh, the Doctor's a woman, blah blah blah. It's not that sort of thing at all. It's just the writing itself, in my opinion, for series eleven was a massive step down compared to what we'd had in the yeah. previous ten seasons. Which is a shame, because I actually thoroughly enjoy Jodie's performance. I just think the writing doesn't give her as much to work with. I completely agree, and at the time, I think I... And my opinion of Series 11 has gone up on rewatches, because I think there's a lot more that we didn't realise at the time, because it is... It, it is undeniably, I think, a step down on the overall writing side of things. And I remember when it first went out that that was my opinion I was putting out there. But at the same time, I hated that you're getting a lot of these, uh, you know, not my doctor types and stuff that are like, oh, yeah, you see, because it's a woman. And I'm like, no, I'm criticizing the writer who's a man. I'm not criticizing the yeah. actress. Yeah, <laughs> none of the issues are to do with the fact that the main character is now a woman and there's more like uh, representation across the board for minorities. None of that is an issue. The issue is with a cis white male writer. 100%. Couldn't agree more. Anyway, sorry to go on that little tangent there. Yeah. Will, are you there? Will, Fifth Doctor? 
That was a very entertaining and thrilling listen. <laughs> Somehow we spoke about the 11th Doctor, uh, the 14th Doctor again. There you go. The 5th Doctor would be a soft hit for me. Soft hit. Same kind of thing, yeah. Not great stories, but a good uh, good performance. Yeah. It's, it's yeah, very, yeah. It, it, if we didn't have to pick one or the other, I'd just say middle ground. I wouldn't say hit or miss, but... I would still say hit for the character because you said 5th Doctor, I would say hit. If you said 5th Doctor's era, I would say miss. Okay. Um, next one is another Doctor, the ninth Doctor. Andrew? Let's see how we well, like, Jodie into this. Shall I just assume I'm going first every time? Yeah, uh, we like to yeah, go for it. the first. Uh, ninth Doctor, absolute hit. Yeah. I... Yeah. Uh, it's really funny because like, I wouldn't... I don't know if I'd put him in my top five, but I do... I, I, abso I still absolutely love him. It's just more a case of which Doctors I'm more attached to. Uh, but nine is definitely a hit. He's for the short tenure that Christopher Eccleston had, he was phenomenal in the role. Uh, mm. I, I really, really love the ninth Doctor. There we go. Moving on. Yeah. <laughs> well, first of all, I'll say don't skip the ninth because a lot of people were already doing that. Um, and my thoughts on the ninth Doctor can be best expressed by the man himself. Before I go, I just want to tell you There we go. Ooh, faith in humanity restored. So, so yeah, for me as well. For me, absolutely fantastic. There we go. <laughs> yeah. Alright, let's let's get through these last three because we have spent a long time on this section. Yeah. But to be fair, we are making up for the lack of time in the first section that on this day. Yeah, we but... didn't start until ten past if it's any consolation, so we're only actually on fifty minutes right about now. Yeah. <laughs> uh mine's saying fifty nine minutes, but I think I was recording before. You were, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, next one, the K9. Andrew? <laughs> so my, I... Actually, no, to be fair, I've watched most of the Fourth Doctor's stuff, and I've watched all of Sarah Jane. I think, overall, as a, as a character who appears intermittently, I think he's a hit. I think if he appeared more... I'd like him less. I think he'd grit on me a little bit, but as as it stands with the appearances he did have, I'd give him a hit overall. I just need a tiny point of clarification um, from you, Will. Please. Oh, oh were you there? Yeah, I don't know what happened there. Are we talking K9 in just Doctor Who, or are we having to include K9 the series? Just K9. Yeah, in terms of just Doctor Who, or also throwing in the Sarah Jane adventures as well. But if you had to include the series K9, it would drag it to a miss because that series is not good. Okay. <laughs> I, I didn't quite catch what Andrew said because I, I, he cut out. Oh, go ahead. You, you can uh, repeat it then, Andrew. Thanks. Oh, so I didn't realise. Uh, no, I was just saying, so um, with the experiences I've had uh, of watching most of the Fourth Doctor's era and all of Sarah Jane, I haven't really seen much of his his series i think i saw like the first episode if i'm remembering correctly but um uh, from the appearances he does have it was it i would say he's a hit but i think if he appeared more that would go down because i think he'd start to grate on me whereas i think he appears just enough for me to like him and not get annoyed by him yeah, but I know it's, he's not good, like a great character but he doesn't annoy me so i can't say miss because yeah. it's again the very middle ground. I I don't have any strong opinion, opinions on him. 
Well, I'll 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 um, jump in here then and say that I kind of do because I really love the character. Um, okay. I recognise the joke that the show itself makes that he's kind of very disco, but I think he's the perfect example of you've got to bear in mind that it's a kids' show trying to appeal to kids, and on that level, I think he's he completely 100%. works because yeah. it's such a cool, it's a silly concept. You're a kid, you know. Robot dog is the coolest thing in the world. Yeah, and you know, yeah, 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 yeah. get that. Yeah, there's a of themselves to you know kid 38 year old men who happen to have remote control versions of him in the past you know i have a remote control k9 in the flat oh mine's been sold but i did have a remote control k9 i did get it so did i i found a toy at one stage Absolutely, in life yeah. for fans anyway um but i don't know where my net has gone actually i have it somewhere for a final um like um, a final in terms of the kind of the humor of K9 that I, and there's a brilliant gag in there about how um, when Alan had his mental breakdown he sort of gorged on Toblerone drove to Dundee in his bare feet and and I'm quoting exactly here he bought the rights to K9 the robot dog on casters from Doctor Who which is basically presented as being a terrible business decision <laughs> but if that were true come on man <laughs> he'd be he'd be a wise man. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, final two, guys. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, the Meyer. Oh. The, what was that? The Meyer? The Meyer. The girl who died, yeah. Oh, from, okay, for the girl who died, right. Okay, I'm with you now. Um. Uh, uh, I, I know there are some people who genuinely really like that episode, and I don't dislike it. But overall, they're pretty unmemorable for me. I'd probably give them a, a either a soft hit or a soft miss. I'm very on the fence about them. I don't really care either way. We if need we need a committal I'll... one way or the other. If, if you oh, don't mind, I'll go second. Andrew, I'll, uh, uh, I'll go a soft miss. I'll go soft okay. a hit. Soft hit for me. Okay, and I'll say. It's a mess for me, Will. Yeah, I don't, I don't like the design. I think it kind of looks ridiculous, and I don't like the kind of world-destroying nature of anybody who can effectively make you functionally immortal. I think it's a dumb idea, um, yeah. and that's kind of that, that's intrinsically tied to the, that particular species because it's their main thing. That's so, fair. Yeah, I'll not say any more because we'll be on you all day. Okay. I've re I rewatched that episode recently in my Capoli rewatch, and I really liked it. I liked the first part far more mm. than the second part. But yeah, I don't mm. understand the dislike towards it because some not not just the Maya, but the episode in general. It's not, I don't think it's a bad episode. But I that's haven't rewatched it. Debate. Yeah. I haven't rewatched it, but I think a lot of people just didn't like how kind of silly parts of it were. Um, oh, the CGI with the bloke in the cloud was yeah. really stupid. Yes, yes, it was. It looked awful. I yeah. don't dislike that that two part story. It's definitely on the weaker part of series nine, which is like mm. series nine as a whole. I I think is one of the best series, but that is that was a lower point. It's not bad, but it's a lower point in the in the series as a whole. But it, I do think it serves well enough as set up for a Shilda's character, which is you know it did I, that I, job fine. So I think your opinion of those episodes though is tied to your opinion of that character, and I just don't like it. I love Macy Williams as an actress, and I think she's doing a fantastic job. But again, I don't. You you make any character that level of immortal, and I think it's just dumb, and it kind of ruins the show. <laughs> Final one, the Doctor Who experience. 
which can only be stated if you've actually been there. Have you two been there? I have not. I have not either. I have, and I would give it a hit. Well, that was an anticlimactic uh, okay. end. Well, I'll quickly, uh, I'll quickly jump in for the sake of not just giving that an anticlimax and say I haven't been to the actual Doctor Who experience, but I did go to a Doctor Who um, event that was on at the Centre for Life in Newcastle, um, which was, it was very similar. It was kind of monster costumes and um, there was actually a room you went into and Davros and the Daleks would appear and do like a laser show and stuff. And it was fantastic. Myself and my little brother, Sam, shout out, went to go and see that. Um, and it was great. I've got tons of pictures of myself next to like Cyberman suits oh. or um, Astrid's costume from Voyage of the Damned or whatever. And uh, yeah, I had the best time. So. I, I can interject with something similar. I don't know if this was an. I think it's not the one that's that's in Cardiff or anything now. But um, there was um, for a few years. Me and my uh, family always used to go on holiday down to Cornwall, and in Land's End there was a, a Doctor Who experience. Uh, probably a smaller one than the main one, but you walked through and there was loads of costumes and like some scenes played out. Kind of similar to what you said. I'm pretty sure there was a Davros Dalek uh, sort of laser light show, but yes. that that was really good when we went. I really enjoyed that, so I'll give that a hit. Yeah, I would too. Yeah, absolutely. Well then, that was the hit or miss section. We. That was very long compared to the other two, I think. <laughs> and we haven't even gotten into which, what's going to be a really long episode review as well. Oh, yeah, so is... now we're on to the episode review, but it's technically the episode review because it's a two-parter. And would you guys like to reveal what it is? I'll let the guests do that. Oh, thank you. So since the first episode, uh, they reviewed the Un Unearthly Child, obviously being the first episode, we decided for the second episode, we'd go all the way to the end and review essentially the Cyberman slash the Timeless Children. Strap in, folks. This one's going to be interesting. <laughs> the thing is, I didn't even realise that. That's a really good uh, introduction. I didn't That's what I typed up to you. That's literally why I suggested we do that. Really? Well, at least oh. you paid attention, Andrew, because that was my point. No. You're welcome. You feel bad. No. <laughs> right. I specifically said, oh, since we're doing the first episode in episode one, episode two, we'll do the most recent episode. That'll be cool. <laughs> and controversial. And yeah, lots yeah, to say. But that's why I thought you picked it. But, um, just to clarify, there is um, a leaderboard we're going to be doing. And it won't include episode 3 because that uh, comes out after this one. But we've got mm. an, an earthly child. And I'll, I'll just tell you the rating. It was 5.3, I think it came up to. As an and average, it's, yeah. And it's, basically, it's an average of the three... Yeah. We probably shouldn't tell them episode threes because that's kind of a spoiler. No, so. we're, not, we're not giving episode three. And likewise, mm. in episode one, that's the first one on the leaderboard. Cool. But um, like that, um, whatever we've rated this episode, it will be averaged and put onto the podcast leaderboard. And if this becomes above um, an earthly child, man, I'll be shocked. Actually, I won't be shocked. But I, I disagree. I love an earthly child. I can't say it properly today. I've been able to say it properly, but we know what you mean. It's fine. Yeah. <sighs> so, guys, would you guys, would you guys, would you guys, 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 would you guys like to provide your overall summary without being spoilery of the yeah. two-parter? I'm gonna again. Uh, you know, you're the guest, Andrew. So we'll uh, we'll yield to you to go first. 
Okay, no problem. So I want to, before I um, go into my main thoughts on this two-part, I want to just preface it by saying that I know that Haunting of Villa Diodati is kind of a, t uh, a f kind of a first part to this two-parter. Yeah, it's kind uh, of like Utopia and, and uh, Sound of Drums. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's kind of a, it's kind of like Turn Left as well as to Film Earth and Journeys in, where it is technically a first part, but it's a completely separate story. Uh, yeah. I just want to say that I love Haunting of Villa Diodati. I think it's a really good episode, um, which it's not going to affect my overall rating, but I just wanted to throw that in there just so that people know that I did consider that uh, part of the uh, the uh, story. Okay. Anyway, so overall, I think uh, essentially the Sidemen and the Timeless Children is pretty. Um, it's an ambitious finale that I don't necessarily dislike but it definitely has a lot of flaws okay um is that <laughs> uh I, I will also say as well uh i'm just looking at my notes trying to see which ones are going to be not too spoilery um mm. and, okay yeah yeah I, i'll i'll go with that so i think it, it, it's pretty ambitious it definitely has flaws i think i, I would have preferred it if uh, the second part was was a bit less of just a huge exposition dump, and uh, where's the submitted? Oh yeah, and I also think it would be better if Chibnall just changed his writing style up a little bit because it all it has um, elements of what he has been doing throughout his era, which has always bugged me, which is just having characters explain exactly what is happening in every single scene in detail and just kind of making me as a viewer feel really talked down to, which bugs me. I, I get that in other episodes, but um, I think you're referring to when they explain what all the equipment does in the start. Oh, I will get to that, but yeah, I didn't have but an issue I, with that. Cause, um, you did have an we'll issue with that. I, I, no, I didn't have an issue with that. Well, I'll jump, yeah. I'll jump to it now because I did make a note and said um, it was nice that that was a cool Easter egg. You know, um, you, you've got to bear in mind that there might be people watching this who have no idea about the Cybermen. And it was kind of cool to fill in, you know, they have a weakness to gold and, uh, you know, they can go crazy if you open them up to emotions. And I thought that oh, Bradley... No, 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 no. Sorry, go on. I thought Bradley and Mandip were really good at delivering the exposition, but seeming naturalistic, like because they were telling the kind of human resistance fighters, and I thought they were really good. I thought Tosin, unfortunately, wasn't, but um, I don't think he's great at acting generally, and certainly oh, not when you give him exposition. Oh, I'm I'm so glad that you two agree with me on that. Yeah, I was just going to say though, geez. that is that is not the part I was going to mention. I actually didn't mind that part at all with the uh, oh, okay. explaining the sideman weakness. It was just, there were parts later on, particularly in the Timeless Children, where it, it's nearly always 13 and it's bad because, again, I said I love Jodie's performance, but uh, there are definitely parts in the Timeless Children where Jodie just kind of just exposition dumps like uh oh the masters the masters built this immortal race of cybermen using time lord bodies and i'm like thanks for that i got that why did you mm. now but, just have to tell us or oh, like well, straight out I, I'm, I'll, hit, I'll push back against that and say that was the briefest possible way you could do it whilst also allowing the other characters to know that because otherwise there's no reason why they would like, um, fair enough, you as the audience are aware of that, but she's telling the characters. It's not like 
it would be really egregious if she'd stopped and said, well, there's these things called the Time Lords and they can regenerate and it turns out the Master can do experiments really well and, you know, the Cybermen <laughs> are kind of convert... But it's literally a one-sentence thing to fill in the guys that are there. It's just so oh, that you yeah, know I, they I, know. I, I know, I know, and it's definitely, it's definitely not the most egregious example of that without, like, without a doubt, it isn't the biggest um, offender, but it was just mm. the one that came to mind mm. then. But before you dive I think that's, into I think the personally, review, I want to give that's my a bit unfair, but okay. I, want, I just okay, want to give ahead. my summary quickly. Um, it was a story I'll give mine after you then. Okay, it, uh, sorry, I thought you gave yours, but I'll, no. I'll go into now. A story that provided a solid return for the Cybermen, but dove into territory that didn't need to be explored, in my opinion. Though that was perhaps done for Chibnall to leave his mark on the show, which is definitely done. With good performances and CG, CGI alike, it's a very pretty story. Very brief summary. No spoilers. Okay. But there we go. Um, I did the same. I kind of wrote a brief summary out, so apologies if it sounds like I'm reading, but I'd, uh, with these episodes in particular, I kind of wanted to be clear, so I'll possibly be reading because it's typed like a book report in this case. Um, so what I said without getting into kind of actual hit or miss territory, these episodes are a lot. There's so much happening, and it sometimes clashes. It seems long and a bit exhausting when you're watching them back to back, two parts. Um, yes. It relies. It relies a lot on what's come before. I think if you, if this was the first episode you'd ever watched, you'd be incredibly lost. Um, but it still somehow feels unfinished, like it's doing big things but not bothering to tell you the complete story, which I hate. Um, mm -hmm. It looks gorgeous. The acting is mostly brilliant. It's cool how it gets into nerdy sci-fi territory because I personally like that as a kind of a Doctor Who fan and a sci-fi geek, but I can understand how some people might be put off by it. Um, it takes really big swings, that's undeniable, and it's definitely not boring. <laughs> Which is about all I can say about it. Wow. See, funnily enough, I'd agree with pretty much everything you've just said, apart from, in parts, I did find myself getting bored. Oh, same. Thank God you mentioned it. I was so bored in part two, especially. Not oh because it was necessarily bad, but I oh, think no, it's no, just no. the way, I think it's the way it's structured that doesn't really help, but we'll get into that as we go through. through yeah, the, uh, that, that was mostly in episode two, which we'll get onto later. Who wants to start? Well, um, let's talk about the pre uh, title sequence first. What yes. do you guys think of that? I've really loved that. I really enjoyed that. Uh, uh, it, 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 it was spectacular. This is Ascension, yeah. We'll go chronological I... order. Yeah. yeah, I also really enjoyed the pre title sequence. I thought it looked very pretty and I liked the way it was done. Yeah, um, I loved it. It's uh, I, I absolutely loved it um, because I thought that it was a brilliant directing decision to zoom in and go through the Cyberman's eye into the vortex. That was um, yeah, I liked as well. a lot. Yeah, absolutely. And um, yeah, the, that was my first question. Was that personally, I really prefer having a cold open to just going straight into the credits. Um, and I know it's the Chibnall's yes. era doesn't really do it. I um, so would you guys agree, would agree or not? I think most people would agree yeah. with that. Yeah, I agree. I make free titles, 100%. Yeah. Okay. I also think, well, some, I mean, I'll get into this more later on, but I also think something that really helps that opening sequence be as good as I think it is, is the fact that they had Ashad narrate it, and I yes. think he is a really interesting character. And his yeah. voice and his presence adds a lot. 100%. It's, it's also a great setup because it gives you 
Um, if you don't mind, I'll feed this into my second point. I think it gives you a really cool setup by mentioning the fact that, you know, there's cyber wars and what's going on, and it's like a cool sci-fi idea, and you're like, oh, we're going to deal with Cyberman wars and everything. And then my second note was, it's a terrible choice to then start the episode by going straight to these island scenes, which yeah. are baffling. At this point, we don't know anything about it. Um, so it's like, you don't mention like, oh, the last of humanity is making a stand against the Cybermen. What will happen? Oh, well, just don't worry about that. Here in Ireland, I was like, oh, what? What are you doing? It's like, um, don't go from cyber wars to Guinness and potatoes. Like, you know, give yeah. us some of the cyber wars first. But the yeah. thing is, this is the enigma I'm in. I really like it. When I don't, I don't really like it. But I, I like to do like that subplot of the episode. But then I don't I like don't. what it actually turns out to be. See, I don't like it at all, but um, again, just to, to chuck in a couple of notes, it also doesn't make sense with the reveal because that particular moment in that scene, um, for no reason they're the wrong genders. Like, it's a man who finds a baby boy, but we later find out that Tecteon is a woman who finds a baby girl. Mm. So I don't quite get what that choice was about. Well, I mean, naturally... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, I also think the Ireland stuff, I think, is Chibnall at his most pretentious. It just really jars, and I don't understand the choice to do that, to explain such a big thing away in that way. And I remember at the time I hated the fact that it wasn't explained, and I was like, what is this? What's I, going on? I can now it, understand why yeah. you don't like the Big Bang, because it's very similar principles. I, I was oh, okay. just about to say, I don't know if this sounds a bit mean, I don't mean for it to, but it feels like Chibnall trying to do Moffat. Yeah. In terms of the structure. It's because Moffat does that thing a lot where, like, he'll show us something and then it'll, like, we'll yeah. go back in time and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, we're here now. Yeah, that's but, why I alluded to yeah. Black Bang. Where, whereas I think yeah. Moffat does it in a way that, at least for me, ultimately ends up feeling satisfying. In this instance, it wasn't done as well. Yeah, see, um, that, that's the thing. I, I feel like I don't hate Chibnall in the era on the level some people do, but this really seemed, and it might just be me, it seemed to me like when all was said and done, the reveal of it was kind of like, ah, see, the island scenes were this thing. Aren't I clever? I'm like, no. No, no he wasn't. <laughs> not really. Absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. But I, I just want to um, mention before we go any further, the um, colour grading and the actual art of the episode was absolutely brilliant. It was fantastic. It was beautiful. I've made that note a few times, but I'll mention yeah, it when we it, get there. It, it, look, I, my second note of the whole thing was just looks stunning. Because it mm -hmm. really does. For all the flaws that the Tribunal era has had so far, visually, it has nearly always been gorgeous to look at. Yeah. Totally agree. Um, Except from the light uh, flares, which were annoying. Yeah, I, I, I also made a note of that later on. Yeah. I didn't notice. Yeah, I didn't notice so much in this oh. episode, but it did because it was very overbearing in other episodes. So bear, bear in mind though, especially. Uh, yeah. Bear in mind though that I'm a huge Trekkie, so I've had to live with the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movies, so unless you're literally like ridiculously in my face with lens flare, I'm not going to notice because it's never going to be as bad as that. Oh, <laughs> before I forget, I'm just going to bring this up now because I know I made a note of it. I made a note of it twice. I made a note of it near the end of Ascension, but then I know for a fact I made a note of it uh, in the big climax of, of part two where 
13's like, okay, I'm gonna go uh, blow myself up on my planet and the master and hope mm. it solves everything. The lens flares in that scene are horrendous because it just yeah. completely ruins the emotion of that scene for me. It's like, oh. Yaz is really emotional, 13's really emotional, Ryan's being a brick like usual. But like the emotions are there. Yeah. The emotion the emotions are right there and I want to feel it, but then this horrendous lighting just cuts through 13's face and I'm like, no, stop that. I want to disagree because I don't I didn't really notice it, but because of what you said, I'm gonna give the same level of commitment that Ryan did to that scene and just go, Andrew, stop, come back. <laughs> <laughs> oh that was Accurate. Okay. Right. Anyway, back to perception. Sorry, I went on a tangent there. Uh, I have to mention this because I made a note of this specifically for you, Will, um, because the doctor does do this in this moment. It's the nitpick that you mentioned that I also hate. How is she reading the Sonic? And it's not just her, they all do it, but you scan for life signs and then she looks at a piece of metal and goes, ooh, there's like four humans. What are you reading? There's no display on it. That's yeah, an interesting yeah, topic uh, because all the doctors do it, especially in Modern Who. Yeah. And I think it must be... Uh, the canon explanation I've given, it must be telepathic. Yeah, which would be cool, but like, just put an LCD display on the side of it. The only, time ever, the only time that's ever really worked is when 12 had the sunglasses because they literally yeah. did have screens in them. Yeah, or just point it, you know, it's, perhaps it sounds ridiculous, but if you're going to have it be, oh, it's a psychic thing, then have them tap it against the side of their head. Don't have them reading a blank piece of metal. <laughs> <laughs> it must be telepathic. I, I love to see it, like an explanation of that. There must be an article out there somewhere where, like, Chris Shaver and like RTD or Moffat or whoever, they just explain it. There must be because otherwise I, it just. Doesn't I don't make think sense. there is, but I do think it's way more of a new who thing because in old who, yeah, they would have a separate device that would be a scanning device as opposed to just oh, we'll just make a noise with the screwdriver and say that it's it's got readings on that aren't they. <laughs> yeah. It feels like... like the sort of thing that Moffat would explain, though, because he does that a lot in interviews where he'll just go into detail about why he That's chose exactly. to do a certain thing. Yeah, I haven't seen I that, thinking. but I will look that up later. <laughs> Likewise, I just hope um, I'll be really interested. Hmm? That's a good point. Um, well, I'm just reading my notes now and just thinking how could we pedal this on? Um, do you I can do it if you want because I've got I'll... mine in. Um, do you guys in have any notes? I had one just just to bring it back to the point I made earlier about the uh, explaining everything in 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 detail and making it like what what was the exact word I used uh, explaining what's happening in detail in every scene that sort of thing. I made a note of saying four minutes in and we already have an exposition dump and that's just because of the part where. Um, Obviously, as a viewer, we know we know what's happening with the Cybermen already because we've had it kind of explained to us in the Haunting of Villa Diodati with Ashad, and then we had it explained again in the opening title sequence of Ascension. But then mm. after the opening title sequence, when they're stood on that like hill looking down at the human settlement camp, Jodie then explains once again about the Cyber Wars and the fact that they wiped out humanity. I'm like, we've already done this. I don't think we did. Uh, to be fair, I haven't rewatched Haunting, but I don't think she mentions the Cyber Wars or anything there. And again, I think this is an example of where that criticism isn't justified, because I noticed that if you haven't seen Villa Diodati, the fact that she says, oh yeah, look, these are the coordinates I got from Shelley, you'd have no idea what she's talking about. But she doesn't stop and explain all of that for, to kind of catch the audience up, because the characters would know. So I thought that was an example of a good kind of, like, I don't get where that criticism's coming from, kind of. 
Oh, yeah, that's, that's fair enough. I rewatched Haunting just a couple of weeks ago, and I'm pretty sure it gets mentioned during the the um, the scene where they're fighting over the Siberium, or like around there. I'm pretty sure it's it's somewhat mentioned that like you know they'll go on to wipe out humanity and blah blah blah. So mm. I I feel like that was mentioned to Ryan Yaz and Graham before, but I might be wrong. It was just me. No, I, I couldn't say without seeing the episode, but yeah. But, uh, so I won't uh, I won't jump in. On well, that's, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. Uh, my next note, if you don't mind, uh, Will, if, if you want me to carry on, yeah? Yeah, you go for it. Uh, I just said that the location work is great. It looks disheveled. Um, the, you know, where the last survivors of humanity are, it looks like it's been wrecked and destroyed. Um, I think the, the ships and the weapon designs are actually really fantastic. So shout out yeah. to the prop, the prop yeah. designers as well as the VFX, um, because it's a combination of both, and I think both do a really good job. Um, you know, the, as Doctor Who fans, we're aware of, you know, the Dalek spaceship that's just a really badly hung up saucer on a string. And this is like worlds away from that. So I think it's... Yeah, I, I made a note saying that the cyber ships looked awesome. Yeah, agreed. Oh, uh, what would you guys think about the cyber drones? That was one of my next notes. <laughs> yeah, same here. They are very... They're a bit, a bit nuts, let's be honest. But I, I, do, I wouldn't say they're a problem. I, would, I wouldn't okay. dislike them. But would you? I'll let you go, Andrew, because, uh, yeah. Uh, I'll just read my note out. I just put uh, that they're a neat idea, but I don't like the fact that they were just flying Cyberman heads. Mm. Mm. Um, I'm more or less, I said that I find them laughable. I think it's ridiculous. Uh, but I think, I also think they're a very RTD Moffat seeming idea. Like, you could tell me these are from any of their Cyberman episodes, and I'd believe you. Um, so it kind of seems on brand, but it still looks ridiculous. However, I did note that the director himself seems to realize this, so that most of the scene takes place using the actual heads-up display of the Cyberman head. Um, you, and yeah. it's a good decision to, yeah. to add that menace because you're not seeing Cyberman heads floating around zapping people, which would look stupid. <laughs> but you're seeing, you know, the actual point of view of a weapon destroying folk. And I think the sound design there really uh, it, you know, works extra well as well. Mm. Yeah, I'd agree. But generally, the first 10 minutes of the episode were very good, in my opinion, with some uh, comedic lines and exposition. That wasn't overbearing, Completely. in oh, my um, opinion. But just, yeah, just, the first 10, 15 we, minutes, excellent. Yeah, uh, just because we skipped it over as well, in terms of if, uh, if we're mentioning the first few minutes, I had to mention that I think Geordie is fantastic. Taking charge and giving gravitas to kind of like, this is the last stand yes. against the Cybermen. My great. next note yeah. after the Cyber Drones thing was just me saying that I love Angry 13. Like, I love that yeah. moment of her not just asking her companions, just telling them, you need mm. to go, and just yeah. getting actually angry with them when they like argue back. I love that. And angry with herself, kind of. Like, I've been really reckless. And then yeah. the, actual, the actual gravitas she gives to your human, if they find you, they will convert you. And it's like, that sounded terrifying when she yeah. said it. And it's like, I, yeah. oh. Yeah, I'd agree. For all the flaws this two-parter has, Jodie's performance throughout the whole thing is pretty much spot on. Completely agree. Mm -hmm. Well, that's the thing. I mean, she does exhibit kind of a lot of anger at her companions at various times. Certainly Ryan, I think, more than the other two. But and again, I think that's probably more because Jodie's just trying to show the poor guy how to act in any scene they get together. <laughs> but, you know... Um, <laughs> Yeah, it is kind of like trying to elicit a reaction from a brick wall a lot of the time, but still. <laughs> <laughs> but he's got chips, though. Yeah, it's all right, though. Don't worry. 
but no. I, I I agree with what you just said as well because immediately when you said that, my first thought was back like like even as far back as well probably the classics as well. But the first example that came to my mind was in Girl in the Fireplace when the Doctor's like, "Don't wander off," and then Mickey and Rose are immediately like, "Right, where we're going?" Yeah, and even he says like, "They always do that. They never listen." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But no, uh, I just just circling back. I absolutely love thirteen in pretty much this whole thing. But in that scene in particular, I think she's really, really, really good. Okay. Um, do you want to carry on, uh, Will, or do you want me to take the reins? Um. Well, I thought I'll just continue with my next point, if you don't mind. Uh, Go ahead. The episode, like I said, the first ten fifty minutes were very good in my opinion. I like the acting, the direction, the um, the special effects. But then when um, Yaz and Graham reach the spaceship, every scene on board the ship is dry, uninspired, and circumstances are only utilised to have Graham moan about their negativity, which is kind of, of ironic, actually, because I'm literally just being um, negative right now. But um, I didn't like the scenes on the spaceship. Okay. Did you, oh, fair um, enough. Did, did you just before we get into that stuff, I just wanted to make a note, because I did make a specific note of a little bit before that is that I love, just because I know we wanted to focus on different sections, I love the motif of the Cyberman that plays when Ashad first walks in. Mm. I think that's uh, really good. Yeah, similar, I've put similar notes. I think that scene, I'll get to the, to the cyber um, scenes on the ship and everything, but I thought that scene was great because that scene really reminded me of a horror movie. Um, you know, you had the off-screen danger that was looming and the tension building because it didn't see it. It wasn't like cutting back to them getting there. Um, yeah. And they were relentlessly marching. I think I've said Ashad is a really cool concept, but I've also so I've put the word wasted with a question mark because like he gets three episodes, he's well developed, but it doesn't really seem like the potential is fully used. Yeah, um, I put that later on. And I've said um, I get that where the character comes from though, and I think it's really clever that he's kind of he's basically the Cyberman's equivalent of Davros. Like I've seen interviews with Terry Nation where he says that Davros exists because it gives the Doctor someone to interact with because the Daleks can't because they're all robotic and kind of so it gives you that chance to have an actual sort of human voice answering you back. And I mm -hmm. totally get that that's why Ashad exists. I but I've also got another. I yeah, I like character a lot, but I've also. Um, I've also said that, you know, um, that's why the character exists, to give you the kind of t the two humans arguing side of things, but I've also put the question, but is he then a Cyberman? Because he's way too emotional and doesn't seem connected to any hive mind or anything. He just uh, seems like uh, a, a dude in a suit of armor. That's addressed in part two, I think. Yeah, so, that's fair enough. You know. Yeah. I, just because I made a quite a few notes about this, but I think the intro shot of him walking through the fire with the Simon is really cool. Uh, and I also yeah. put, just in terms of another direction point, because I didn't really make many of those, because I'm not really that uh, knowledgeable in the direction. I loved how in the scene, in, I think it was a chapel or a church or something, where Ashad's like looking for, I can't remember his name, but one of the human characters, I think Ryan's there with him. There's mm. a really good use of sunlight. That, so like the sunlight's mm. coming in through the window, and it completely shines on Ashad's like mm -hmm. Cyberman part, but then mm -hmm. the shadow obscures the human part, and I thought that was really nicely done. Yeah, I've made the exact same note, and I think you know more about direction than you're letting it because that is that is deliberate. That's a deliberate choice that it's it, because he looks the way he does. They specifically obscure the human side, so you just see the monster looming, and you only see the Cyberman half. Yeah, I, I just thought that was really nicely done in that one particular shot. I really liked that, so I want to make a specific note of that. 
I said the same thing and I also said the music in this scene. I'm critical of Sega Nakanola a lot of the time, but the music itself seems like it's been cyberized and it goes kind of slow motion and horror-like intense and I thought that was a fantastic musical choice. Yeah, I, I agree. I really like the Simon motif he did for these, these episodes. Are you talking about the actual music um, that was adapted from the theme or are you actually talking about the theme he actually made for the Cybermen? No, no, the actual, uh, it's, it's more noticeable in this particular scene. I think it's a little bit different. So okay. I think when we get to the ship, it kind of gets a little bit too overbearing. But here, it's oh, really yeah. good because it's kind yeah. of, um, it, it kind of, it almost goes from just kind of regular, this is tense music to to having a kind of cyberized edge. And I don't know music enough to say what that means. I don't know if it's... Yeah, no, 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 no. It, it definitely develops more of an electronic techno yeah. feel to it, but almost in a sinister way. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's very well utilized here mm. over the course of the episode the actual soundtrack i actually i really enjoy but the one um bit i do not like is how uh, it's more less about the composer more of the editing uh the theme was used every single time the cybermen are remotely in a scene it's that mm. same beat and i think why not uh, just adapt that into the soundtrack and have the soundtrack play intense music, not just the same beats over and over See, again? See, I, I completely agree with what you're saying, and I think that's, for me, that's kind of showing the weakness between Murray Gold and Sega Nakanola, because Murray Gold did that. If you listen to, like, the soundtracks, he's got, like, a five or six long piece that's the Cyberman, but there's such variation in that. And as you said, when it's playing, it doesn't overwhelm the action, so you don't notice. But, and especially in the later scenes on the cyber carrier, the music is overwhelming to the point that it's drowning out dialogue. And like, I get yeah. like, oh, yeah. this is scary, you should... And it's kind of, it's doing that musical thing where it's making you way more aware that it's trying to manipulate you, because it's basically... You may as well have Sega Nakanola on a microphone going, BE SCARED NOW! <laughs> um, I think you're, uh, are you referring to the scene where they burst through the door and they start shooting? Any scene on the cyber carrier? Um, because it's the most tense moment, so like any time you have that scene, any time there's um, whether they're there or then Ashad and the two guards or then um, meeting the cyber warriors. Um, so yeah, it's not really a chronological order kind of thing, but like I made a note that I love the music for the first kind of 15-20 minutes, but then it just gets ridiculous and overbearing because it's it seems like they're trying to overcompensate for wanting to make you feel the fear and it's like, I'm not scared, I'm just peed off that I can't hear what's being said. Yeah. I made a note a bit later on that kind of ties into this where um, as just as a whole, not just really these two parters, but just for the era as a whole, uh, Second Akinola, his score, it's very pleasant to listen to, but I'd also argue that it's very, it's very subtle and nothing is right particularly memorable. Uh, apart Most from time, yeah. that, apart from that one motif when when Ashad first appears, I think that's like the most memorable piece of music he's done so far. Whereas for the most part, um, I find his stuff a lot more subtle and not as memorable as what Murray Gold normally does. Uh, what normally did in his. I completely uh, agree, but I'd also um, I'd also say that I think his um, his Gallifrey theme uh, when we get there is also pretty good. But it's uh, oh, he's yeah, kinda, yeah. he's hampered by the fact that it's obviously not a patch on. This is Gallifrey or Our Childhood, Our Home or any of the Murray Gold stuff that he did for Gallifrey, which is so good that he's fighting a losing battle there, essentially. 
Yeah, but the thing with Mogo, he's had 10 years to um, fine-tune his craft. But the, prob- the thing is, Mogo, I could say that um, experience p- plays a part. But then again, Mogo hmm. here out of the park from Series 1. So yep. you can't, I can't really use that argument when Gold was great from the very start. When Sega Nakanula, like, I think I mentioned this in another episode of the podcast, um, he's got maybe three or four very good, memorable scores, mm-hmm. uh, maybe three. Whereas Mario Golds, if you played about ooh, 30, for if you played out his whole soundtrack, there would be 30 very memorable ones. Yeah, and I've actually done that. Um, not I don't have the CDs or anything. I'm not that that rich, but I've yeah. got the um, the Amazon Echo, and they're kind of available through uh, Amazon Music. So I've played like I'll play um, series one, two, or three soundtrack, and it's all like brilliant, and you recognise where the scene is it comes from, and then you ask it to play the series eleven soundtrack, and I've constantly got to ask the Echo, what is this? And it'll be like this is Ghost Monument from Ghost Monument. Yeah, I, is it? I I I, <laughs> I follow him on Spotify, and pretty much all of his soundtrack stuff is on Spotify, and I love re-listening to a lot of his stuff. Uh, mm. Particularly for uh, in particular, series five, series six, and series nine are ones I definitely like listen to a lot because I think there's a lot of really really good stuff in that. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we're on the same page with that because I've heard other podcasts and things that are like really raving about the music and saying that uh, Akinola's a step up and stuff, and I don't uh, see no. that. No. So, yeah. I mean, I like the M- Murray Gold had a talent like for the, taking. Yeah. I was just going to say, Murray Gold has a talent for like. Um, j- just sorry, I-, I think I'm just going on a bit of a tangent because I'm a musician, but like. Um, a good example for what Murray Gold can do with so little. Uh, just listen to the Shepherd Boy. Like mm. that song, for the most part, is the same four chords, just over and over, but with new stuff added, and then it changes slightly every now and then, and then it just changes key, but still does the same sort of progression. And it's it's a really good example of how much he can do and how much emotion he can draw out of you with just what is essentially just one set of of looping four chords yeah um okay so um i just want to say about the music i really like the direction he's went with went down while i don't like i said i don't find the music very memorable i like how he's went into the electronic approach the electro music and i think it's very um since we've had 10 years of very orchestra music, I think this is a nice change of pace. So I wouldn't say he's a bad composer. He's far from oh, a bad I don't composer. think he's bad by any means. No, but it's, it's not as memorable, obviously. But um, I wouldn't say he's bad. He, he He's a competent composer, clearly. But Yeah. Fair enough. Um, just in the interest of getting us to where you are, which was, I think, you were on the Grav Raft, um, Will. Yeah. Uh, so I've, I've made another note that in between that we get another flash to the island scenes and I've just said that every time we flash to, to the Brendan stuff it kills the momentum and it just kills the episode dead yes, it's building I, I, yeah I was just going to say I thought exactly the same thing yeah, and um, and that's another example of them getting the details like the big reveal of things doesn't make sense because here um before the very first time that Brendan regenerates, in inverted commas, when he gets killed, he's already uh, kind of a guarder working for those police force. And we see that the Doctor obviously wasn't recruited to the Division before the first regeneration, so again, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, yeah, I never, I never made that parallel before, actually, that's interesting. Yeah, it's like, it's on a, on a kind of... Um, on a chase of a criminal where Brendan first kind of gets pushed off the cliff and dies, 
and uh, it's like oh I'm okay and they kind of do this oh is that a Captain Jack thing or whatever but like I said that the doctors regenerated like 20 30 times by then before getting recruited to the division because we've had all the experiments that tech the undead and everything so again yeah. it's kind of it's Chibnall trying to be clever and then just completely screwing up his own logic and ju just as a whole I do find the island stuff just very tonally jarring like yes. it, it, it would maybe if it was I don't know whether it's the pacing or whether it's just the way that it was cut into it that didn't work for me, but just overall, every time it cut to Ireland in the middle of like quite a intense moment as well, I just found myself going, oh, we're back here again, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Which I think just kill completely kills the pacing. Agreed. Um, I've also said, yeah, um, when they're on the grav, laughed, grav raft, I've made a note of the fact that the lighting is very red and that's kind of the mood is nervous tension and everything. Um, they feel isolated and it's a really cool pull out to the cyber debris field, which is great shorthand for the war in like that one kind of director's visual. Um, there's a good callback to the ghost monument in Yaz and Graham saying that they've experienced being in space. Um, mm -hmm. And when they get to the cyber carrier ship, I think it's fantastic. The CGI scene extension is, is flawless. You can't really tell, so it looks way bigger than I presume it is. And um, the lighting specifically goes from red to blue. And I, I made a note of saying, oh, that's to show that it's gotten cold. And then Julie Graham literally says in the scene, it's cold. So <laughs> I was like, oh, well. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. um, I did, just on the cyber carrier, I did put a little note saying that I liked that shot of when Yaz looks out the window and then you see all the sort of five man part. That was the scene I was on about, yeah, yeah. How it was, yeah, it was, it was just drifting through space, and then you hear these like these bangs, and you think, what is that? And then you look out the window, and they are literally going through all the Cybermen parts, and I thought that was well directed and well um, edited because I liked how they faded the um, the banging into their dialogue scene before, and then when the reveal actually came out, I was like, this is great. Cool. Um, the next note that I've made is that I've said um, Koshamus when they get to when they show that see those scenes. It's it's that was my it's very kind next of oh great. Um, it's the opposite of the the Brendan stuff. I really like it because the music is great. I think the location is gorgeous and it gives a kind of mythical quality, which I think adds to the the history of the Cyber Wars. I think it's also because that character looks like he's just been extracted from a Harry Potter um, oh, completely. movie. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. I don't think it's an accident that they cast a, a fairly big name from Game of Thrones either, so that you immediately see the actor and you kind of you, you could have visions of dragons and swords and warriors and stuff. Yeah, the special effects team here out of the park in this episode. Agreed. In the story in general. The, the, how it transitioned and the point of view of it going over the clifftop. Mm -hmm. The spaceship going over the oh, yeah, that was great. Any mm -hmm. of the scenes where, um, any of the scenes that looked like, I don't know if they are, but they looked like helicopter shots where you were zooming in from kind of um, a, a gorgeous vista of a sea to an island and Koh Shamas is there. Um, it's so good. Mm. Completely agree. Yeah, I'd agree um, with that. The next thing I've got was about the Cyber Warrior. So did you guys have anything you wanted to chuck in first? Uh, I just put that I actually really like the design. I think it's quite a cool design and it's a nice sort of mixing of some of the newer aspects and then it took a lot from, I think it's the fifth Doctor era Cybermen design. Yeah, it's yeah. similar. Cool. Um, well, I don't under, the... Can I just no, go have ahead. a question? I need a, something answered from you guys. What was the deal about um, the general guy electrocuting with um, the Cybermen with the gun? Because before he was preparing them... It was got... a drill, wasn't it? 
I don't know. I, 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 I didn't linger on it, but I assumed it was something to do with um, a necessary thing for to wake them up or something. Like, they're in some yeah, kind of stasis, so... Maybe. That's what I thought. He was trying to wake them up by putting them through pain, which I... On one end, I really like, because I know... Uh, I can't remember the name of the, the character, really, because when they kind of said all their names, a lot was going on, so I didn't t really take them in. But the uh, the sort of main uh, woman of the, the human resistance group... Uh, she says Rabio. as he's doing yeah she says as he's doing that we have a cyberman on board who like makes other cybermen scream and i really like that because it really adds to the yeah. sort of feel that ashard is like this really menacing character it's really cool but i will concede to will's point that it, it doesn't explain what that is yeah oh no no, no. I, I, I completely agree it's nice in character building but it makes no sense in the in the scheme of but it, why why is he doing it exactly it also kind of ruins a moment later for me as well because when he opens the thing and they're kind of hiding inside the cyber suits i was like well they're really lucky he didn't just start drilling their chest yes I, 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 I made that almost like that specific note of why why can he not he's shown in in ascension that he can clearly detect when there's human life signs hmm. uh, so why does he not just do that when they're in yeah. the Cyberman suits? I don't know. Uh, I, I, I like that scene though, it's very intense. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, very, we'll get there I'm sure. But um, yeah, I also well, said we, with the... We, uh, we have to wrap this up soon because uh, we've talked about one episode when we're going to go on to the second. But, okay, um, um, I'll, I'll we are, last through... One hour, 40 minutes after editing into Ooh. this and that was how long the other episodes were. So we're going to have to move <laughs> I'm on. I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. We can talk about uh, it. But do you want to do you want to run long, or do you want to just leave it and we can maybe do a, a catch-up podcast for Timeless Children or what? Well, um, um, I think we should just you. carry on because I've only got two more bullet points for this episode. Yeah, cool. I, I'll blast through mine really quickly, and then you guys okay. can jump in, and um, and I'll let you guys go if you don't mind. Um, yeah, let's the, the director clearly. Yeah, the director clearly likes the Cyber Warrior design too because he does the cliched reveal of like a sexy woman where it goes from the feet gradually up the body to the head. And I'm like, why, why is the director telling me this Cyberman's sexy? It's really weird. <laughs> but I, I also love the, the Cyber Warrior design. Um, I liked that there was a kind of what I saw as a reference to Tomb of the Cybermen with the way that the images on the video screen were stacked up. Um, mm -hmm. I made a note that when Brendan is getting his mind wiped in the island scenes, there's a lot of TARDIS imagery that I picked up on, which then gets made explicit and I didn't feel as clever. Um, the Cybermen awakening and marching is really awesome. And um, the last note I had was, yeah, surprise, it's the master. And I wanted to make a note of the fact that um, they tried to keep it a surprise by doing that old thing of um, having a character called Fack Out, which was close to Fake Out, and having Barak Stemis as the credited actor, which was an anagram for Master as Back, and the fact that the entirety of Twitter worked that out. So <laughs> <laughs> you pretty much covered everything I had there. I, I think I mentioned in the messages, like, I also put I really liked the shot of the Simon emerging from the... Uh... Yeah. The pods, I thought that was really well done. But I also had a note of uh, the cliffhanger was extremely predictable. Mm. Well, I, just like, I didn't really yeah, feel yeah, much so. tension there because, because I didn't really feel much tension in the cliffhanger because it was like, oh, it's the master. There's no surprise there. Uh, so I didn't really feel. I wasn't let down, but it wasn't, yeah, it, it, it it wasn't, wasn't a shock. Like it was more just like, cool. Series, but yeah. Oh. I think the scene that happened before, like, 
I know you guys aren't a fan of the subplot, but um, when Brendan was getting the award and then he was mm. um, kidnapped by his supposed um, adoptive father and his He friend. wasn't kidnapped, he went voluntarily. No, he, he said, well, kind of. But he, it, it was an odd scene because he didn't speak at all. But whatever, mm. um, before that scene, it was very... Um, slow paced and then when we were actually coming to the end of the episode um this was sparked this sparked what came after it was the intensity and when he was actually getting electrocuted or supposedly electrocuted in the hat then we got the cybermen breaking into the room shooting as the music ramps up and then we've also got the reveal of the master and i think all the scenes combined building up the intensity for the final five minutes again and then boom we got the master back i thought it was brilliantly edited and directed uh, that's fair enough i can't disagree just quickly yeah, I um, do do we want to give our um score for that one episode first yes. then and then go to I, the, I, I or just thinking, do it at the end i was thinking we should give our summary of that episode and then provide a rating of it mm -hmm. um, so uh, andrew do you want to go first okay so uh i think it's a very good build-up episode for the finale um, there are moments where it is very flat and not much is happening, mainly on the cyber carrier. Uh, I was a lot of the sort of dialogue and interactions on in, in the transition between leaving the planet and entering the, the cyber carrier uh, are probably the weaker moments of the episode, which do kind of drag it down for me. And the island stuff is very jarring pace wise. But overall, I think it's a pretty, pretty damn good episode. So I give it an eight overall. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I was more or less on the same page. I didn't have a lot of notes, but I just put the... Um, I was torn between 7 and 8 the entire way through, but in the end I went with 7 because the island scenes just drag it too far down as an overall episode. Mm. So 7 out of 10. No additional summary for that? No, that was all I had. Uh, okay, I'll give my summary then quickly. Uh, there are plenty of positives, but the negatives, like you said, unfortunately bring this episode down only slightly, though. About 15 of this 50-minute episode is very good, with the other 45 minutes being very uninspired and filler, in my opinion. Therefore, I'd give this episode a 6 out of 10. So we've got an 8, a 7, okay. and a 6. <laughs> so, so the average is easy to work out then, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the average score is going to be 7. <laughs> well, no, because uh, we have to take into consideration second episode as well. To oh, yeah, yeah, I'm in for that one episode, though, yeah. yeah, yeah. Right, to form one big score. I think yeah. overall, I'd, I'd agree with an overall 7 on that one. I, I, I try to focus more on the positives, but I can also agree with, with both of the things that, with all the things that you guys said, so mm. I think seven's a respectful middle ground. Yeah, well, yeah. guys, that is not the end, because we've got a whole other episode to review, oh, and this boy. must be so annoying for the people listening, like, wow, this they must be right at the end of the episode now. No, here's another one. This is going to be a three-hour yeah. podcast, isn't it? <laughs> I apologise. No, no worries. I reckon this will come out to about two and a half hours. If that's is... the case, then we've got about 35 minutes to break down the, the most controversial episode of Doctor Whoever and give a brief sort of ending news section. I think we should give give 20 minutes to this section, just let's not let's okay, play I'll, through I'll... it, because I think we're going to talk about the ending more than the actual episode itself. I've got that mm -hmm. feeling. <laughs> so, um... However you guys want to go into this one, I'm all ears. Uh, I can just start going down my notes if you want, because I made quite a few. Uh, yeah, let's but I can go down put out the ones. Cool. 
Oh, okay, the then go over anything you haven't, uh, you yep, haven't okay. covered. Yeah, cool. So my first note was, I think Sasha and Jody's chemistry is pretty much amazing from the start. Agreed, yeah, and I made the same agreed. note. I really, even from the get-go, I think the two of them together just work really well. Basically the same sort of thing that happened with uh, Capaldi and Michelle Gomez. I think they also had amazing chemistry from the start. Mm -hmm. uh, so yeah, I love the pairing of them together. Uh, I did put a question though of how exactly did the Master destroy Gallifrey? Good question. Because that's never really addressed and I'm a bit... It's, it's never explained how he did that and I'm like, okay, so... How did you do this? Well, I mean, I assume they never really explained things like that. I assumed it was just like he went around and massacred them all. But at the same time, it also doesn't explain how he escaped the Kasavin. I mean, you literally yeah, had a exactly. line. You had a line in Spyfall 2 where the Doctor basically says, "Oh, he'll get out, I'm sure," and then it just doesn't even address the fact he's just there. <laughs> <laughs> Which, to be fair, isn't too like negative because oh, it's very Doctor Who. I mean, the, the Master yeah, dies in like a thousand episodes well at least five or six Mo episodes Mo of classic yeah, Moffat even made a joke about it because when yes. he brought when he brought Missy back after death in heaven he was like oh no she'll be back because she's always bloody back and yeah, yeah exactly I kind of like that there was a joke about that uh I really liked the scene between Graham and Yaz on the uh, yes. the ship when they're tra like planning to get inside of the Cyberman suit the only Agreed. niggle I had about it because I think the scene is it's beautifully written and very well acted agreed the only sort of um negative i had about that scene is why would he say that yaz is the best person he's ever met when he had grace for so long like, i, I kind of feel it like felt, it felt odds yeah i agree oh no yeah. i disagree I, I, I like that i'm, I'm not having any criticism of that scene because i've said that I, one I, scene is 10 out of 10. So. i agree it's a gorgeous thing yeah the scene is very good but why did he choose yaz because Yaz is great! Yaz is great! And... So she wouldn't choose Ryan, Grace, or the Doctor? She well, no, the, he, specifically, he specifically says that he's, he's essentially saying that she's better than the Doctor, which I didn't... I could have been offended by, but really wasn't, because it, it even... He says, like, oh, um, Ryan said the Doctor was the greatest woman he'd ever met, but I actually think you are. I think you're fantastic because of everything you've done. And I think if you watch Yaz's arc, and then you have that moment in comparison with... Um, or in conjunction with Can You Hear Me, and you know that everything she sort of has gone through and everything she faces daily, and the fact that she's then still able to kind of take command and keep positive and everything. That's a great point, uh, yeah. I loved all that. Yeah. yeah. I will yeah. say, just, just overall, because I think I did make a note about this later on, I think this... Series 12 as a whole, but especially these, this finale two-parter, really does a lot for Yaz for me. It, made, it mm -hmm. really cemented Yaz's position as my favourite of the trio. Yeah, and again, um, I think that's another that's an, a, an example, a rare example or sometimes of, of Chibnall doing good writing because he doesn't beat you over the head with Yaz is overcoming something in these scenes, but if you've seen Can You Hear Me, then you know it. And um, I appreciate that he doesn't sort of have, you know, Yaz going, we're going to get to it, aren't we, Graham? And then has her go to one side with Graham and go, oh, Graham, I'm so depressed, really, you know, I can't face this. <laughs> but, you know, I'll, I'll give it a good, uh, good go. So I loved the fact that it always seemed like she was giving it her all, and I think that comes to a head in the scene at the end where she just doesn't want to let the Doctor sort of sacrifice her life. Yeah. And again, it ruins that scene that she's given that such emotion that her entire arc has bubbled up to this one moment, and it's culminated by Ryan going, yes, come on. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, what? I, I then went on to, to, to we've already mentioned this, but the, why couldn't Ashad detect them inside of the cyber, that armour? 
that that yeah. was a bit of a nibble for me. However, I did note that I thought uh, Bradley and especially Mandip did really, really great performances in that scene. Like the way that you just see the tear roll down Yaz's face when yes. Ashad's right there. I really liked that. Mm. That was really. I've well also done. got to. Uh, I've got well to shout. Directed. I've got to shout out when it's um, when writing is really good as well. And I've said, I love the line. It's the line of the episode, mate. I'm from Yorkshire. That's a love letter. That is my. I like that. that. That's the line of the episode. Possibly the line of the Chibnall era. That is brilliant. <laughs> yeah. I mean, c- coming from Yorkshire, I, I, it's, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm from Oop North anyway, and then yeah, I know the feeling being from Oop North and having a lot of friends in like Leeds and Sheffield and that area. So. <laughs> um, the next bit, uh, the next significant note I thought was it was nice to see a somewhat return of Ryan's dyspraxia uh, yes. in the scene where he throws that bomb. Yeah, uh, yeah. It, was, it was it was nice to have a little bit of a payoff for that. That's a parallel to was for was... as well when he couldn't with the basketball. I was just going to say, it, it yeah. telegraphs that too much, because why would he... I, I didn't need to hear him go, oh, yeah, through the hoop. Like, no, that's, yeah. you're, you're not on a basketball court. We get it. I know. <laughs> that, that's, yeah. that's literally... I added that to the note. I thought it's nice to see Ryan's dyspraxia come back and have a, a conclusion, but I then also added it's shame that he ruins it a moment later. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I, just yeah. by being Ryan. But I, I think the direction of the actual uh, Cybermen exploding... I think it was very good. I, I love the direction in this episode. I think mm-hmm. it's great. But, mm-hmm. um, like you said, the return of the dyspraxia, I love how they portrayed it. I think it was very good... Um, what's the word? Representation of the, of the actual condition, because I saw um, a tweet about it, and uh, it was yeah. like a mother, and she was overwhelmingly happy that it actually oh, yeah. got um, recognition. And I think uh, yeah. three episodes mentioning it isn't isn't overbearing, isn't underdoing it either. So I think I don't mind it. I I thought, yeah, why not? No, yeah. I, I I thought it was a I thought it was nice that they sort of tied off that oh, bit yeah. of Ryan's Ryan's arc. I just wish he hadn't have ruined it by them being Ryan. Uh, I agree. No, I I agree with um with both of you that there's some a bad acting choice at the end. But I love that moment, and it's um. I completely see where you're coming from with people that have dyspraxia liking being seen in that way because without getting too deep I have suffered from anxiety and depression and I think that's why I, I latched on to Yaz especially after watching Can You Hear Me and why that's my favourite episode of series 12. Um, yeah, I can, I, can, I can see that. It's it's representation and it's the fact that yeah, things can be tough but you get through it day to day and when you view the character through that lens I think it adds something to them and it's the same with Ryan as much as Tosin isn't a great actor anytime he gets a heroic moment like that you're seeing it through the lens of oh he's he's had a small victory um, which kind of relates to something we said in episode three but we'll get to that next week um my next note was uh i really like the scene between the master and ashad i think they're both very imposing for different reasons because mm-hmm. like the master's acting small in comparison to ashad but you also know that he's absolutely mental uh yeah. so it's like it, quite it, sinister it, yeah. on both sides he nailed his performance I'll, uh, oh yeah, I'll... Sasha is phenomenal in 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 the role. I think I'll jump in here and say that that was a note that. Um... Oh, I don't Sorry. agree. I've said, uh, okay. but either way, either way, I've said that. Um, I've just made a note under Sasha. I've said that. Um, I was trying to make a note of how he plays the master, and I couldn't because I've put he shows insanity, anger, joyful relish, tragic nihilism, self hatred, self love, and more. There's you cannot get a handle on this person, and I think that's deliberate. Yeah. Yeah, I I really really enjoy his performance in in Spyfall as well. I thought he was brilliant in the role. So I think it's a phenomenal casting choice. 
I really want to see him again. Um, more, more often. As often as we saw Michelle Gomez, I'd love him to stick around. Yeah, I'd love, him, I'd, I'd love him to stick around. I'm glad Michelle Gomez stuck around, because I love her portrayal as well. Oh, for yeah. I don't think reasons. I disliked any of the Masters. Yeah. No. Um, the next one I took was... Uh, I think the time lapse, the time lapse of the Citadel being built is stunning. Oh, oh yeah. I didn't know that, but okay, cool. The just that scene when they're doing all the backstory stuff and he details how they, you know, once they, uh, once they sort of mastered the genetic splicing and the regeneration, they go on to build all the citadels and stuff. I thought that just was a gorgeous visual uh -huh, of the citadel being built bit by bit. I really liked that. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I literally put a note saying this is where the issues start. Um, oh dear. Because, um, and I'll, I summed it up later on, but basically, as a concept, I do not dislike the arc of the Timeless Child. I do not dislike the idea or the fundamentals behind it. The thing I dislike is that it's the Doctor. And not even just because of the whole, like, Oh, well, it means that Will Hartnell's not the first. That doesn't bother me, because I'm pretty sure it's even mentioned in one of the early classics. He's He sort of offhandedly says that he's, like, regenerated before or something. I can't... I think it was in, like, City of the Daleks or something. There's a not, few moments Mo like that, yeah. Yeah, I know Moffat's mentioned it in an interview before, but, um... Uh, the, the idea that there are Doctors outside of the ones that we know before Hartnell, all that stuff, that stuff. None of that bothers me. I think that's fine. The bit yeah. that bothers me is the fact that this arc of having the Doctor be the Timeless Child completely takes away the, the one of the things that I loved about the character is that being that they weren't anything special. The idea that... Oh, I disagree with that. Um, I, I see where you're coming from and... I, and... I can see why you might gravitate to the character like that, but I specifically made a note that this is entirely on brand. If you've watched any of the Seventh Doctor era, this is exactly that. They constantly hint to the fact that the Doctor is somehow other or somehow more than just a Time Lord. Um, and I, I, I don't love, not in your case, I'm not attacking you, but I don't know people that are like, oh, the Doctor being something other than a Time Lord comes out of nowhere. It absolutely doesn't. It's been seeded in for decades now. Um, I, I, don't, I don't necessarily mean, it's literally just, I like the, I've always liked the idea that the Doctor was, was a Time Lord who just didn't like the way that their society worked and just wanted to go and travel and I really liked that and I sort of gravitated to that. So the fact that yeah. they've kind of changed that and gone, oh no, they're the foundation of of the whole Time Lord but, race kind mm, of bugs me a little bit. But, but it's not my main niggle. My main niggle with yeah, this arc so my main niggle with the whole Timeless Child thing is that at least for me personally, you two might disagree, I think it would have worked better if it was the master. I f yeah, I yeah agree. strong disagree. Oh well, I agree. Um, so. <laughs> I look because I think it it, it kind of makes sense why the master would hate the doctor is because he mentions like you know how do you think I feel knowing that you're the reason I exist and yeah that, that wouldn't make sense okay. if it was the master though. But I love the idea that if it was the master, he'd hate the fact that the time well the the work the time was then the Gallifreyans just did all of these experiments on him and just took this ability that he had, just took it for themselves. And oh, I just, sort of no, built, no. Their, built their entire sort of civilization around 
him mm. and his this one part of his genetics. I, th that I think he would absolutely love that. I think that's uh, respectfully. I think that's a misunderstanding of the two characters because yeah, I think the master's yeah. response to that would be that he absolutely loved it. He I loved agree. all the experimentation. Yeah. He loved that he was special. He loved that he was in every Time Lord. But for the Doctor, it is deliberately something that he thinks would break her, and it, you can understand that. Like, if that, was, if that reveal, if that reveal was the Master, I think it would be a complete damn squib because he would just be like, "And I've just found out I'm great, so screw all of you." You know. <laughs> um, okay, fair enough. I can kind of agree with that. I can see where you're coming from. But yeah, I don't so, think um, the timeless child stuff takes away from anything was my personal note about that. Um, I think it's a fantastic development of everything from the Morbius Doctors to the Cartmel Master Plan to even um, things that are being explored in Time Lord Victorious like the line about we are immortal barring accidents. Um, you know, it, it, I think it's, it's a really cool development of that. But I do appreciate and I wish they'd explained further that it doesn't detract from Hartnell being the first Doctor and from that childhood that we all know of because it is specifically a second life. It isn't just a regeneration, it's a regression literally back to starting again from childhood. Yeah, the, master, the master even mentions that. Mm -hmm. he, I can't remember yeah. which part it is, but he even says to her, uh, oh no, that was it, because she mentions, but I was with you, we were at the Citadel together, but all, all that yeah, stuff, yeah, and yeah. he says, yeah, but that was just a different life, so at least that is mentioned. Yeah, I he says it wasn't my, the first life, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. My main, I think my main opinion of this whole art is basically going to hinge on what he does with it next. Oh yeah, because it because it feels very unfinished and like there's more to it. I don't think I'll be ever be able to give like a full definitive. I like this arc or I don't like this arc until um, the, the next season or whenever he chooses to actually wrap it all up. I think that'll be when I'll finally be able I to think, uh, agree. I think on you that. may be disappointed because I can't see him necessarily doing that. I think he thinks he's given enough explanation now. Yeah. Um, which worries but me. The biggest disappointment. Yeah, if that, if that happens, I'm going to be very annoyed. The, the doctor is not Gallifreyan anymore. Because uh, she, well. technically, she was just found on some random planet and she came from mm. a different dimension. So she wasn't even from the same well. realm as Gallifrey. I would counter that and say that we never knew the Doctor was Gallifreyan. Um, in fact, the Doctor is referred to several times in the first or second Doctor's era as being explicitly human and as only having one heart. Um, so that's always been kind of an iffy thing. But more importantly, one thing that I took away from the episode is it still says that the Doctor isn't necessarily not Gallifreyan. That's the beauty that I like about the fact that it's just someone discovered on a portal. Who's to say that's not a portal through time? And that she is a Gallifreyan from like an alternative future or something. We don't know that. That's why I don't want that explained. I don't want it to be, you know, it's another time, another dimension, another reality. She could be a Gallifreyan from a parallel Pete's world type reality for all we know. There's nothing yeah. to say she is, but there's also nothing to explicitly say she isn't. So. Mm. Yeah, I, I, I can pretty much agree with, with, with the things you're saying there. Like I said, I don't dislike the arc at all. I think it's a very interesting and different way to take the character and i do appreciate the fact that chibnall was bold enough to go you know i'm just gonna do this mm -hmm. uh, i just think it all sort of for me hinges on where he where he ends up going with it and if he doesn't really touch on it again i'm gonna be a little bit annoyed because it kind of feels like he's just sort of Don't left it half baked almost mm. Mm -hmm. Especially with, because I, I know most people maybe don't really care about knowing. I want to know where Ruth fits into it all. Yes, I made a note of that and said that that's one of my biggest peeves is that I was expecting that explained this season. 
Um, and I just Chimbal's know it's annoying that we don't get that. Five-year plan. Oh, I hate Chimbal's all that. Though. I don't just explain things. That's part of the reason I don't like Fugitive of the Jadoon is that I hate when you're stretching something out like that and you're like, "Ooh, audience, you'll find out," and it's like, oh, just well, give I, me I, don't the they, I, don't, I don't mind if it's something being stretched out over a season. Like, yes, one, exactly. thing I, one, one thing I enjoyed about Moffat's tenure is the fact that he always, obviously, we didn't get every single answer about. Where the cracks came from in series five, but at least, at least we knew it was going somewhere, and we at least got some answers about what was going on. Whereas in this, we just got basically a bunch of new questions, kind of in a way. And I think the so, one, yeah. the one line that really bugged me about all of this, and I think you might agree with this, just from what you said, is when the doctor literally asks Ruth, you know, what what this all means or where this all fits in, and mm. Ruth just says. Like, would the answers really help you? And I was like, yes, please yes. tell us. <laughs> I don't mind that because I get the the thematic point um, in that the Doctor's having a deal with a lot, and I think that's that's more of a speaking to have you ever been sort of burdened by who you were before, and I love that. I love that concept. I um, like that line. I like that yeah. line a lot. It was more just the fact that it was. I'd Maybe I'm wrong, but to me, it almost felt like Tibnall saying through Ruth, do you really need the answers to this? I don't agree. I think, um, if I remember the line right, and I think I do, because I've got it memorised, she doesn't really say that so much as the Doctor, as in Jodie, says, um, so where do you fit in? Are you another one of these uh, previous Doctors that I had my mind wiped of? And Joe Martin, as the Doctor's response is, don't ask me, love, I'm just in your head. Which I thought was like, yeah, why would you ask your own self? I mean, I know they're the same person and everything and whatever else, but asking your own imaginary sort of construct of this person who they are isn't going to give you that answer because she's not literally there. And I assume we'll get that answer if we see the character properly. Um, I really you know. hope we do see her again. But I also think it's, for me, it's kind of upsetting and kind of sad that the imaginary version of the fugitive doctor inside Jodie's head is better than the real version that we see in Fugitive. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I just, I hope she comes back and I hope we get some form of... J just some answers would be nice. Yes, um, The next note I did have was, uh, we kind of touched on it, but the fact that Ashad's death is really anticlimactic. Yep, I bet the exact same note. Which is a massive shame because his character and the build-up for his character, I think, was actually phenomenally done. Yep. I, I said I, that I, um, it's a criticism of the episode as a whole as well because I think it does the exact same thing with the Cyberman. If the Cyberman area builds up, there's an army of hundreds of thousands, and then they're defeated like that. It's kind of like, yeah, oh, and then we've got exactly. these explosives, they're done. And it's like, exactly. What? And it, it, <laughs> it kind of bugs me that for the... Not, not... I mean, I guess it is the third time, but I think World Enough and Time and the Doctor Falls kind of did put more emphasis on the Cybermen as a threat. But mm -hmm. I, it kind of bugs me that for the third time in, what, four seasons, five seasons, we've had a finale where it's the Master and the Cybermen, where the, Cybermen are, yeah, and where, where the Cybermen are just like the second fiddle once again. Uh, and the the fact that the master just disposes of them like that, and it's like, oh great! So all this interesting build that we had around these cyber wars and uh, I was just going to say, just yeah. wiped out. I was just going to say, I think I'd be more fine with that if they hadn't spent the previous episode building up 
that the Cybermen were a big threat. And then, like you said, it kind of, it, it, this episode happens and it's almost like Chibnall going, I've got to deal with these other things, the Master and the Cybermen's children, so forget about that. It kind of undermines the first part. It basically makes the first part, for like, for, it's, like, this is a bit of an extreme way to put it, but it kind of makes it feel like the first part didn't need to happen. Yeah, it does make it a bit redundant. I completely agree with that. Which is sad because I really enjoyed the first part. I'd prefer the first part to the second. I don't, but I have my reasons. <laughs> um, oh, wow, okay. What did I put? Um, I'm I'm trying to look for my next the reason why I'm being major point. Oh, I, I, I don't I, have much to say about this one. I have literally nothing else to add on to what you're saying because I think Andrew is literally covering everything so well. Keep going, mate. <laughs> Keep going. Um, I did put a question of I really hope we'll learn more about this division. Because they kind of, like, hint that this is a big thing, and then as we start to get that information, it all just completely shuts off. Uh, I, think, um, I think that's supposed to be, I believe, the Celestial Intervention Agency, though. And I think that's kind of... Um, it's not made explicit, but it's there. But I think that's a deliberate choice, and I think that's Chibnall trying to be clever again, because it's like, the Doctor had lots of adventures with the Division, but you can catch them on Big Finish. They're not going to be explained here. Um, yeah, that's that, going to oh. bug me if that's what he does. Yeah. If that is what he does, it's going to just bug the hell out of me. That um, was what I thought, yeah. And then I did make a note, because I, even after watching it again all in one go yesterday, I was still a bit confused. Is the island stuff just... Is it? Is this one of the lives that we didn't see, or is the island stuff the oh, memories I, that I are think... put into the Doctor's head to hide all the truth I'll about? I think it was to hide it, but... It's interesting it was, uh, because you could canonize it technically, but I think it, what the master was saying, it was a cover-up of what actually happened. Okay, that's, that's that what I was yeah. erring on. If, if, if I may, um, it does explain it and say that, yeah, it's a visual filter over the truth, and it's very, it's too subtle, but it's flashing to moments that we see played out as to their equivalent in those scenes so it's it's literally the story that we're told of the timeless child and texty and finding them and everything but given a visual filter of like this is just 19th century ireland so okay, that, every, that, is, ev that is what it was meant to be then yeah, yeah. The, every event that happens is that event but given a visual filter but like like i said that's not super well explained and more importantly the the note that i had was it, it comes out of nowhere in the first episode, and then it's revealed in the second episode that the Master was sending those flashes to the, the Doctor to kind of pique her memory of, why am I remembering this island thing? But the Doctor never at any point stops and acknowledges that she's getting these memories. It's kind of like the audience are seeing it, and it's not with, explained within universe till it is. And I was like, that, that's never made clear. It should be made explicitly clear. Like, have the Doctor in part one stop and go like, Oh, I'm just having the weirdest memory, and it's just like, have I been to Ireland or something? You know, just yeah. some kind of acknowledgement that she's getting a flash of memory from the master instead of just, hey, yeah, audience, exactly. that thing you saw, it was the master doing it. What? <laughs> yeah, that, that bugged me. I think I made a note of that a little bit later on. Um, but yeah, just, just overall, I think, as kind of interesting as the island stuff was, I don't think it really pays off that well, because, especially Agreed. now that you've, you've mentioned the whole thing of um, uh, the fact that it doesn't even completely parallel the Timeless Child stuff. Now that you've yeah, mentioned that as well, it, now that you've mentioned that, it's bugging me even more. Mm -hmm. The fact that it was clearly Tribunal trying to be clever and do like, oh, what's this? You'll find out later. And then, oh, look at me, I've done a thing where it's a parallel to the story I was trying to tell. It's like, yeah, but it's, it doesn't even 
line up properly. Yep. So yeah, that, that's just that's just bugging me more now. Yeah. Um, what else I put? Oh yeah, <laughs> this might be a bit divisive. I put that I thought the Cyberlords were quite an interesting idea. I actually didn't mind the design, but I don't like the fact that pretty much nothing is done with them, so they don't really serve a purpose. I, I think that's deliberate. They clearly escape, and we're going to see them again. That's just I my two cents. So. If, if that's what happens, then fair enough to Chibnall. I'm glad you've set that up now. Yeah. Um, but again, it like, well, just going off of what we have so far, um, the fact that they didn't really seem to do anything just kind of bugged me. But again, if that comes back later on, then I'll be more than happy to, you know, take that point back. Mm -hmm. um, um, yeah, I think that's deliberate because there's a lot going on in the episodes, and I think that's more to set up that there a threat coming back later. And I did make a note of saying the first time I watched End every time since that it's deliberate that when the death particle's going off, you quite explicitly hear the master saying, quickly, in here, you lot, and it's clearly they're stealing a TARDIS and going somewhere. So we'll see them again. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming we will. Um, what else did I put? Oh, I just made a note of the fact that I really like the fact that, yeah, like, before Graham or whoever it is mentions... Oh, it might be Koshamas, before he even finishes saying about stepping through the portal, we see Yaz is already going. Like, I really I like liked that. that. I like yeah, that, that a lot. Funny, that funny, yeah. Um, I just, oh, I really, really like Yaz in these episodes, guys. Yeah, yeah I, I, I like Grand yeah. Girl. She's grown on me over time. Yeah, I think in, in Series 11, Graham was kind of the better of the three, but in Series 12, Yaz has definitely sort of come forward as the best one. Yeah. Um, I'd agree. What did I put there? Uh, um, Will, that's, tw that's 20 minutes, by the way, Will, just to, just to give you a shout. <laughs> oh, sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not attacking you at all. I'll, I'll just whiz through the last few I've got. Uh, I really like the sequence of 13 Brick in the Matrix. I thought that was a nice callback yep. with nice little nostalgic bits. I, uh, I, I found that more effective the first time. Because um, I remember at the time watching it, I was like, oh, so thrilled, and it's a fanboy moment, and punching the air. And then I watched it on this rewatch, and I was like, this is actually quite flat when you know what's happening, isn't it? Mm. True, but, but I, still, I still think it works quite nicely. Uh, I We've already touched on it, but I made a note of the fact that I just hate the fact that Ryan doesn't even react to the Doctor saying she's going to blow herself up. Yes. Come on. He, yeah, he just stands there and does nothing and then stops Yaz when she's quite visibly getting really upset. Yeah. Um, I liked the acting between Jodie and Sasha in the Matrix Room scene where he's sort of like goading her to, to blow her, blow them up. I really liked mm -hmm. that. Yes, I've put. A, I've made a note of. Um, I actually compared that to um, maybe this is me being pretentious and geeky, but the Dark Knight. I think that's that's the Batman and the Joker scene. It's the Doctor Who equivalent. Like I want to drag you down to this level, so you're gonna have to kill me. Um, and I love. I always love. I'm a sucker for that conflict, and so I, I made a note of that and so I said I thought that was great. That's an interesting parallel. I haven't thought of that before. I quite like that. It's almost the um, exact scene. Um, in the scene of. Um, it's at the end of the Dark Knight, I think, when he's like. Um, you know, you're going to have to either kill me or sacrifice other lives or something. It's been a while since I've seen it, but it's it seemed to me like, wow, this is almost the same scene. Um, so, yeah. Um, I, I don't know if this is going to be a controversial point. I, and to be fair, I don't like this, but at the same time, I also can't see another way they would have done it. So I think it's maybe just in the writing more than anything. Mm. I hate the cop-out of Kashamas coming in and just blowing himself up with, like, instead. I think I, I would have preferred yeah. it if we'd have had more time with the character. It's, it's predictable. Yeah. It's predictable. If, um... if we'd have had more time to get to know the character, I would have probably liked it more and felt a little bit more like, oh no, don't do that. But 
the fact is we don't really get that much time with him, so when he does do it, yeah. I'm just like, oh, alright, okay. The, and the thing is, it's, such a, it's meant to be such a, um, a thrilling scene, yet um, it kind of takes out the intensity because they talk about it for too long, because in mm -hmm. that time, why didn't the master just yank the Leave. thing because he knows what was going to happen he knows the doctor wouldn't do it but he knows this guy did and he made no attempt to stop him from getting the trigger and he just watched i don't, he was like, I don't oh, know that interact that whole interaction just bothered me Is personally and i'm not just saying this because i don't like the character i think this would have worked well maybe not necessarily with ryan but i i honestly think it would have worked better if they'd have had one of the companions do it and then we'd have had actually yeah. some form of emotional payoff I you know agree. what's weird is that I think even because she's, I don't want to say that the actor, I wish I could, I, Ian McElhinney, the actor, I don't want to say he's a bad actor, he's great in Game of Thrones and he's great throughout most of this, but I just didn't find his acting that great in this scene, and I want to say that if it was Julie Graham, if it was Ravio, I think that scene would again be better because for whatever reason we seem to have connected more with her, and because yeah, of her Yeah, I really liked her. Yeah, because of the flirting with Graham and everything, I think like that would have way more impact um, mm -hmm. if it yeah. was... But I think, it, I think it falls flat because they talk for too long about it. If it was more, yeah. like, if it was shorter, right, and then it just happened, boom, that's great. I, I also really every... like the fact that you. So I was just gonna say, I really like the fact that you also noted that she was flirting with Graham because one of my earlier yeah. points in I think Ascension was, is she flirting with Graham? Question mark. Oh, she completely. Was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, but I just want to say I agree with everything you're saying about that scene, but I also don't know. I'm not a writer, but I don't know if how I would have written out um, the conclusion to that any differently. And I forgive the scene a lot because of the line, um, you have to go, the universe still needs you, Doctor. And um, I did think it was a, a good, a very brief good acting moment when I was like, the Doctor's not surely just going to accept this and walk away. And when he kind of turns and says, after the universe needs you, he says, run, Doctor. And I got the sense of like, oh, you better run, because he's doing this whether you go or not. <laughs> so um, it seemed less yeah, like, oh, I'll just abandon you then, that's fine. But yeah, yeah um, I, I think the scene overall would have worked way better if it had, if we'd have had, had more time with the character or if it had been a different one who we had had more time with. I completely agree, uh, yeah. But yeah, ov overall, it's, it just kind of left it on a bit of a weird note for me. And then the last note I made was, I quite like the cliffhanger with the Jadoon. I think that's quite fun. I love it. I love the callback. The what? 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 Because Tenant's my favorite doctor, and it's a Tenant thing, and I love it. <laughs> How they go into the pod is, is very concerning, though, because it's meant to be um, impenetrable, but then they just got in. That happens well, many a time, though, to be fair, doesn't it? Uh, we, really. we can, I, I can call out times that happened, at, even just in this era, the Kablam Man. Yeah, I was, I was thinking yep. about that Kablam. The, um, the Titanic, I mean, I know they do say, remember to put your shields up, and, he, and the Doctor doesn't, but who's to say that, the, that uh, Jodie has the shields up? So, it has happened, I mean, the Titanic crashed directly into the TARDIS wall. Um, mm. But it's, if that's a nitpick I have with all 50-odd years of Doctor Who, is that, you know, is the TARDIS in a state of temporal grace, or is it a clever lie? Can the assembled hordes of Genghis Khan not break through the TARDIS door, or can anybody just come in? You know, it's it, it never sets it. It's just literally what the story requires. There, there are some yeah. nitpicks that I just think have to be let go with the show, because it's so big and there's so much continuity. Like, the whole, the 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 TARDIS can't do wood thing. Like, it can't, but then sometimes it can, Sonic. so, you know. Yeah. That, I meant the Sonic, sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But because like, the show's been going Just on for so long. you the comments. So <laughs> yeah. Because the show's been going on for so long and there's so much continuity, it's just kind of like... Agreed. Yeah. You're going to get a couple of little continuity parts that just keep messing up. 
Uh, so I, d I didn't find that bit too bad. No, it, cool. I, it has um, uh, Any other thoughts anyone wants to add? Um, I have mm -hmm. literally no thoughts. You've nailed it. Mo, do you have anything? I do, but I, in the interest of not being here all day, I think I'll um, I'll maybe make a, um, a post for social media or something with some of my other notes because we'd be here forever. Just run through um, it. As, uh, as long well, as you don't have many, you may as well just. No, no, I don't have many, and I can run through them in like one or two sentence stuff unless you guys want to chip in. Um, I just put, I love all of the really geeky Doctor Who references, tissue compression eliminator, the Citadel references to the deadly assassin, um, all that kind of thing. The Cybermen effect music in the very first scene of Timeless Children is great. I love how frantic the scenes are. There's a sense of um, like actual war and of them being picked off like in a slasher movie. So I thought that was a good scene. Um, I thought Jodie was brilliant at showing desperation when the, the master traps her and she has to appeal for her friends' lives. Um, I thought that was a very well acted scene. Um, I thought, again, it, this is because I'm a film student and uh, I always see other films and things. In the scene where they're hiding in the Cyberman suits and Ashad opens the, the door, it's the exact scene from the very first 1978 Halloween when Jamie Lee Curtis is hiding in the closet, um, right I from the point of view of the eye too. That's brilliant. Yeah, it's the same scene. The director clearly did that on purpose. I know it's a horror movie type cliche, but yeah. Um, I like that we still technically don't know where the Doctor is from, their species, their real name or anything. I think people that say that it explained everything about the character aren't paying attention, because it doesn't. <laughs> uh, my one issue, which is a, a question for you guys that you may know more than me, doesn't this idea of where regeneration came from contradict River Song as a character? Because isn't it explicitly said that she gets the ability to regenerate because she was conceived in the time vortex and it's from the vortex? But yeah, that, yes, it, that, does. it does. That now doesn't make any sense. That's just proved that a lie. So, yeah, slight yeah, that, issue. That, uh, I actually did make a note in that on my overall section because I thought of it a bit later on. But yeah, uh, I I don't like that this opens up certain plot holes in already established yeah. canon. But yeah. oh well, I, it just I guess that Moffat did. Because Moffat, yeah. Arrow, literally uh, resurrected the um, planet of Gallifrey two seasons mm -hmm. in. It's destroyed again. I think, wow, that was a bit of a waste. I think the modern show doesn't can't really deal with Gallifrey and the Time Lords, though, so I don't mind it as much as long as it's not a constant thing. Like, you know, you, it's done now and it's destroyed. I'd have an issue if it somehow comes back and the Time Lords are all fine again now. Because I also made a note later that I love the scene that it was uh, it was very reminiscent of the Time War. That, um, when the Doctor has the Death Particle, the Master's like, can you actually do it this time? Can you end all organic life? Can you completely destroy Gallifrey? Um, and the Doctor herself is like, yes, this time I can, I have to. Um, I mean, I know they ultimately don't, but that parallel was quite clever, I thought. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that um, the idea of Ashad's plan I found completely stupid and very badly written um, because if the Cybermen, the Cyber Warriors have been purged of all organic components, then they aren't Cybermen. They're just mm -hmm. robots. It doesn't make any sense. Like the master specifically calls the out how shit. Yeah, the confrontation yeah. between the two was great. Yeah, I get that. The master literally calls out how crap robots are. But the very idea of Ashad saying, I'm going to make all of us into a robot. That's a dumb statement. That's a fundamental misunderstanding by the writer of what a robot and a cyborg is. That's Chris Chibnall not understanding that terminology. You I can't turn may, yourself into a I robot. I think it may be because of what I mentioned earlier of the self-hatred. 
-hmm. He doesn't like it, so he oh. wanted to eradicate every human bit of him to make it... I get that. I get that, but you can't do that because then you're not you. I mean, there's always going to be, even if it's the RTD type idea that it's a human brain, then you're still a cyborg. You can't turn yourself into a robot because those are two completely incompatible things. That's like me walking outside and saying, I'm going to turn every human into a drop of rain. You can't do, they're not the same thing. <laughs> they're fundamentally different and it's, it's a pet peeve of mine because I'm a huge sci-fi geek as, as I've made clear and because I know what the difference is between a robot, an android and a cyborg and it bugs me no end that Chibnall seemingly doesn't because you can turn yourself into a cyborg, that's fine but you can't turn yourself into a robot that's not what you'd be <laughs> I, I, I personally I didn't read into it that much because I think it was just it didn't actually evolve into anything and I think if it's not touched upon again it's not a problem it just bugs it's just, me it's, on a, on a it's, it's, it's a throwaway it, it, line. It, it bugs me, but purely in the sense that it once again undermines this character that for the most part I thought was really well written and built up. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it bugs me more because there, there's one or two lines that could explain it away better. Like, instead of having him say, I'm going to turn into a robot, which is a ridiculous statement, just have him say, I'm going to purge all emotion which makes way more sense, and that is the Cybermen's kind of modus operandi. But you don't need to say you've purged everything completely, because by saying you've purged all organic components, that includes the brain, which means you're no longer you. You don't exist <laughs> anymore, you know? Um, just create a robot if that's what you want to do. It's not going to be you, though. <laughs> you know. Um, but anyway, uh, I said that... Um, I don't know if you guys know that the script is available online, um, and it specifically points out that the scene of Tektion with two other people are supposed to be Tektion, Rassilon and Omega uh, with the Foundation of Time Lord, uh, sort of the whole purpose of where they're from. Um, and I like that even though it tries to explain regeneration, that it still keeps to the idea that it was Omega who uh, discovered time travel. And it's a different thing, even though those two were linked by Moffat, which now we have to kind of ignore. Um, I like the idea that this idea of the Doctor as the Other is a perfect continuation or conclusion to the Cartmel master plan from the Sylvester McCoy era. Um, and I've just put the note, is this too much explanation or is there enough mystery left? I personally lean toward the latter, but I'd be interested to hear you two guys' thoughts. Should we wrap it up with a summary? Uh, Should we go to uh, now? Well, I've got other things I was just really... Uh, yeah. yeah do you want me to do that now or...? Uh, I was just going to say, so I, when you say is there enough explanation, do you mean for the whole arc as a whole? No, no, I said um, is there too much explanation of the Doctor and um, where all these things are from, or do you like, do you think there's still enough mystery left? I, this, uh, no, I it doesn't really bother me that much, I quite like that there's, <sighs> that we, we've now got this sort of new backstory and this new information, I just, I just... Like I said earlier, I just hope he doesn't just leave it here and that we do get some information about where all these other incarnations now fit in and yeah, how the th the this all interacts with her mm, timeline. It, it's opened up some questions, but I wouldn't say it opens up more questions than uh, why it answers. I think it oh, no, answers I think that's, more. And that's I why I like it. I think it answers bits, but not that much. I think there's still enough mystery left, but go ahead. Mm. Well, I think... Uh, like, the Doctor not being in from the same realm of the Gallifrey, supposedly, let's just say hypothetically, uh, we now know how the Time Lords um, were made, how they were formed, how the Doctor was formed, and how... Because the thing is, the, you were on about it earlier, the mystery of who the Doctor was before the first Doctor, 
that's mm. gone now because now we know that there's more boy incarnations before and while we don't know exactly where she's from and whatever we do know the fundamentals of her character now we understand how um she regenerated for the first time how there was experiments how she injected oh she got injected her regeneration energy into the time lords how the um how the time lords build up the city around her and that's what i'm saying there's less mystery than there was before I I agree with everything until you said they, they didn't build up the city around her. I think that was showing you that there was uh, there was always not the city, but the actual yeah, the city, uh, no. um, species. I don't think that's the case. I think that's showing you that they, the things that we know that happened still happened, and I think that's why it shows you those three people because it was always said that there were three founders of Time Lord Society, which were Rassilon, who did the building of the Citadel and the pompous Lord idea and everything, Omega, who discovered the sort of black holes and time travel, and the mysterious other, who a lot people thought was the doctor or especially in the seventh doctor's era but now we know it was tektion um because she was the one who discovered the secret of regeneration so it gives a little bit more to that but i don't think it takes anything hugely away um because everything that we thought happened still exists it's literally just regeneration that they're explaining away um which you know fair enough um i guess whether you like it or not it's it's the case anyway so uh i've completely lost my train of thought sorry so, um, <laughs> Anyway, uh, if you don't mind, I'll, I'll quickly blast through my notes. I've said that the, the mislead of the guys in Cybermen suits when I thought Ethan was dead was cool. I, it was clever. Um, what exactly is the Siberium? It's completely key, but it's never explained what it is. It's just yeah. this kind of like, yeah. it can create anything, don't worry about it kind of thing. <laughs> um, I think it, it's kind of mentioned in the haunting of Villa Diodati that it's like this, essentially like a living database of all sort of like Cyberman knowledge. Mm -hmm. uh, and information, which is a cool idea. I just kind of wish they'd have either explained it a bit more or done more with it. Because if this is meant to be like the foundation of like all Cybermen society, why have we only just heard about it? Yeah. Uh, that's fair enough, I get where you're coming from, that, that makes a bit of sense. Um, I, I have to make a quick reference that I like that the Cyber Masters are dressed for the occasion, <laughs> because come on. <laughs> um, I like the idea of regenerating Cybermen because it, for some reason it just seems really cool as a kind of grotesque idea. Um, and it's then just I, the, that idea kind of reminds me of a more successful version of Nightmare in Silver. Yeah, I'd do that, yeah. Um, I've just also said the self-sacrifice speech is a doctor staple. It's just the ninth doctor and Rose all over again. Um, I thought the two things I thought were beautiful: the old TARDIS, which always is, and the doctor's oh, yeah. um, the doctor's uh, line that you thought it would make me less, but it makes me more, which I actually agree with. But I also think that was Chibnall trying to scream at the audience that um, you know don't dislike this; it's cool. Uh, which I think is a, there's a few lines like that as well. <laughs> um, <laughs> Uh, Chibnall was yeah. very, uh, it was speaking to the audience through the characters, 100%. Completely, yeah. Because um, it seems like he's apologising for this reveal a few times in a few lines, but yeah. Um, and so quickly I will give you my uh, summary, if you don't mind. And a um, rating at the end. And a rating at the end, and then uh, I'll jump to you guys. I've put, there's a lot to process. I love the Cybermen story, Sasha's great as the master, but everything's overshadowed by that big reveal, and that's a lot for one story. Uh, the whole thing comes together well enough, but still feels a bit disjointed. The timeless child stuff I go back and forth on almost daily. Was it necessary? Definitely not. Does it ruin anything? No, for me. Does it add anything? Kind of. 
Today I'm more on the side of it, but I could still live without it and not miss it. Still, it gives lots of nerdy discussion and reflection, which I like. Um, the episode is well acted, the direction's great, the writing is probably somewhere in the middle overall, and the music is more bad than good. Um, and so for part two, I said, you have to uh, respect the ambition, and my rating changes constantly, but in, on this occasion, I went with 8 out of 10. So that brings your overall rating to 7.5, if I'm not wrong? <coughs> yes, that makes sense. 7.5, okay. Oh no, well, I, I, I rounded up and said overall for the two episodes, 8 out of 10, because I don't like 0.5s. So, <laughs> so you'd give it an 8 instead of a 7.5? 7, 7 yeah, instead of going with that, I would round up and say I'll go with an eight and uh, and give it the point higher for two parts together. Okay, let's give it. An but that's eight. just because I dislike seeing point five of anything. So. Yes, <laughs> um, okay. so of my overall thoughts on both, I sort of did a summary for both parts. Um, I put. Uh, overall, a solid two-part finale with mostly decent writing, and I, I did also make a note of saying at least this felt like a finale because Jesus Christ, the Battle of Ranskarov Polos yes, is trash. Yeah. Oh yes, excellent, agreed. Excellent that is mm. not a finale, so I'm I'm yeah. very glad that people actually gave us a finale this time around. That felt like a finale. Mm. Um, I've already covered that. Uh, I did add that I I don't mind the arc overall, but I just hope Chibs Chibnall gives us. A bit more of it. Uh, mm. I put other than that. Uh, I put overall exceptional performances by Jody Mandit and Sasha. Uh, the guest stars were all pretty great for the most part, or at least the memorable ones. And I put Bradley was good and Tosin was Tosin. Yep. Uh, I put some uh, some lazy, unlikable story decisions. Mainly the death of Ashad and then Kashama sacrificing himself were the main two points that I didn't like there. Uh, but visually stunning, apart from the lens flares, because Jesus Christ, they're ridiculous. Um, <laughs> music is atmospheric, but unmemorable for the most part, apart from the Cyberman motif, which I do like. Um, I did make a note of saying though that, to be fair, having now watched them all at once, not a lot really happens if you, like, a lot happens in terms of we learn a lot, but in terms of the actual right there, right then, what, what do the characters do? Not much. Like, they escape from the planet and go to the cyber carrier, and then that takes them to Gallifrey, and then they leave, and that's about it, really. All the Cyberman stuff just becomes null and void after the Master kills Ashad. I, I uh, want to agree with you. The... Sorry, I was going to say I want to I was agree just gonna with say, you. And then, and I was just going to say, and then for a lot of the Timeless Children, because so much of that story revolves around this huge reveal, a lot of that episode for me just kind of ended up feeling like one big exposition dump. Which yeah. might, it's mm. probably not what they were going for, but that's how it came across to me, just because so much of it is centered around, oh, we've got all this information, and I'm like, okay, that's cool, but yeah. you're kind of just leaving everything you'd already built up in the wayside. Yeah, I um, um, I also I didn't make a note of it, but I also felt like you could have spread the Timeless Children thing over the season as a whole and avoided that kind of like oh crap it's the end here's everything exposition dump. Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. E 
even the flashes of kind of like the doctors getting flashes of Ireland, replace a few flashes of the kind of timeless child girl with that big spire with flat with you know bits of that Ireland scene, and that whole thing becomes better because you're building up a mystery of what it was, and you know that it's the doctor getting these flashes rather yeah. than just you know leading from the cyber wars into it. Um, even if they'd have done some of it back in series eleven. Like, yeah, that just we get, one line, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, exactly. We get one line about the timeless child in the ghost monument, and then it's never mentioned again until Spyfall, and I just feel Agreed. like if it had put a little bit more build-up for all of this throughout series 11 and 12 and had, like, you know, dripped as little bits of information, then it wouldn't have just felt like so much was just dropped on us all at once. Yeah, and I think it's a huge mistake to have introduced the Ruth Doctor and then have her not appear again until this Matrix scene. Because yes. it's just, you, you're expecting an explanation that was never going to come. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I, I think she was great. I, Jay Martin played a good part. I know you mentioned earlier that you didn't particularly like her, but... I, I love her in this Martin episode, if I'm saying Timeless Children, I love her, but yeah. Sorry. Okay. I really enjoyed her in Fugitive as well. I... I I mean, I think part of the reason why I really hope she does appear again is just because I want to see more of her on screen. I think she's got a very mm-hmm. electrifying presence. Mm. She, like, yeah, it's, I remember in, 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 in Fugitive, even before like we knew, oh, it's the Doctor, I couldn't take my eyes off of her on screen. I was I like, who she is she? She was really, like, she was very, very fun to watch on screen, and I just hope they give us that again. Um, but yeah. Mm. Pretty much touching everything there, and overall, I gave time. I gave Timeless Children as a an episode on a, as as the whole uh, a seven. So again, I gave Ascension <laughs> an eight. This a seven. So I'm pretty much in the same camp as Mike, where like seven point five or. But would you round down or up? Because it's your choice, you know. So. Overall, you, I think I'd, I'd keep it at a seven. A I think seven, I'd keep it. If I had to round it, I'd give it a seven. I think overall. Okay. Well then, my thoughts. I didn't, <laughs> don't go into as much detail as you guys, but this, I've got a couple of lines prepared. It's a competent turn for the Cybermen, though they weren't utilised greatly. The cast all played a good part, and whilst I don't agree with some of the creative decisions, the story itself wasn't that bad. However, it was very disappointing in the sense that I didn't maintain the levels of excitement that I had at times, and especially in the second part, I became very bored at times. I don't like how it contradicts stuff and opens up plot holes, though Chimnall being ballsy enough to do this should be applauded. Uh, Sasha and Jodie were very good and had brilliant chemistry, as was the direction, the direction and the special effects. I can't fault. It was great. I can't rate uh, it any higher than Fugitive of the Jujun, so it's another 4 out of 10 for me. I've got the same kind of criticisms, bringing it up to a 5 out of 10 overall. That's a lot lower than you praise that quite a bit, and then you gave it a four. Yeah, I, I personally think that you were a little unfair with the rating, but it's your it's your your, your call to make. Hey, but I think uh, if like, you... I, like I said in the first one, and like I said, like I said, fifteen minutes of the first episode was great, in my opinion, and in the mm. all the scenes in the spaceship I didn't like. Then in the mm. second one, as Andrew said earlier, not much actually happens. So I can and I have the same criticisms as I do for Fugitive, which I rated a 4 out of 10. So I can't rate it any higher because there's not as much 
there's no there's not as many oh, good I, things going for it in my opinion. I disagree. I think the problem I have with Fugitives is that if you took out the reveal of the Ruth Doctor, the episode literally is nothing. But if you take out the Timeless Children stuff, I think not only does that improve these episodes, but it's a fantastic Cybermen and the Master two-part finale mm. um, that would rate probably a 9 or a 10 for me. But the, fi the thing but, is, uh, we have an 8 and we have a 7 and we have a 5. It's not like miles apart. Oh, yeah, it's... It's not as bad as I thought you guys were going to be. You didn't savage it anywhere near as much as I thought you would, so no, it's, I appreciate it's, it's, that. Like I said, five is not bad. Five is not mediocre. All, five is right in the middle. I was so, expecting uh, ones or twos from you guys the way that I've seen a lot of criticism of this online, and yeah, you didn't, so, five, so I think five that's isn't, Five isn't harsh. It's, it's perfectly fine, for, uh, especially... I will, I will be completely honest. I actually ended up enjoying re-watching it way more than I thought I would. I think that's the case because you're not expecting uh, the reveals and so you can't be disappointed by them, so I agree. Because I, 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 yeah. I didn't even dislike it when it was first aired. But oh, I, I just, loved it when it first aired, yeah. <laughs> I just, I, I remember being like, I, I'm pretty sure when I went straight onto Twitter after it aired, I'm pretty sure I gave it a 10 because I was just like blown away by everything that just happened. I think and, I then like a week, and then like a week later, I was like, okay, maybe it wasn't as good as I thought it was. And then I saw my opinion sort of soured over time. But now that I've rewatched it, I'm like, you know what? It's really not that bad. I, I get why it's controversial, but compared to other stuff that Chidnall's done in his era, I think it was one of his best, to be fair. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I've got, uh, if you compared I've this to everything he wrote for Series 11, this is miles ahead. Yeah. Mm. Well, so um, what's the average then, Will, between... It's a 6.6. Yeah. I think that's low. I think that's low for the app. But okay. 6.6 .6 out of 10, which is a 3.3 .3 out of 5. If you put it into that respect, 3.3 .3 out of 5, I think that's more than... That's fair. I still think that's, that's pretty low. Average. That's pretty average. Pretty average. I yeah. think that's low for what the episode is. I think, no, I think that's... But the thing is, Andrew gave it a 7, and the average comes out with 6.6. So it's, like I said, it's not far from what we actually said. Yeah. Which okay. shouldn't be a surprise, considering that is the average. And 6.6, yeah. 8. And you said you did say 7.5 averaged up. That's less, technically, that's less than one different to what... Though your combined scores. Yeah. So yeah, 6.6. Yeah. As, as far as New Who finales go... This is better than I can think three off the top of my head that this is much better than. So, <laughs> I can think of one it's much better than, and it was the previous year. <laughs> yeah, but I'd say uh, Battle of Ascrab Colos, Last of the Time Lords, and probably Wedding and River Song are probably lower than this in terms of finales. Hmm. Yeah, I was going to say I think I prefer it to the Big Bang, but I'm not sure I do. I think they may be on the same level. Um, uh Oh, I've already, I've already given 10. my piece on Big Bang, yeah. yeah uh, <laughs> you said you hated the Big Bang. I, uh, well, I hate it, but I also like a lot of the scenes in it. I hate the overall storyline. You said it was but... a 4 out of 10, and then you said this one's an 8 out of 10, but it's on the same level. Yeah, I'm weird like that. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, the yeah. of this episode should be a 5. A 5 out logic, Jesus. Anyway, no, um, ridiculously wrong review. 6.6 .6 is very fair, and that rates above an unearthly child, which was 5.3. I was going to say, so you kind of have to be really annoyed now, because <laughs> it rates above an unearthly child. I feel, yeah. But it's not much of an unearthly child, and I know, I guess you guys really like it. The, this yeah, episode, I think there's anyway. lots to like. There's lots I mean, of weird episodes. I was just going to agree, there is a lot to like. Um, there are, like I said, there are issues that I personally wasn't 
as fond of, but overall, I, I don't think it's a bad episode at all. And I'm actually very glad that you recommended we review this one, because it's probably not one I would have gone back and watched otherwise. Yeah. Well, guys, I think we need to wrap this up. It's almost three o'clock. We've been here. I knew this would be three sorry. hours, dude. I told you it would be three hours. <laughs> and in the last episode, we were, um, it was with Mario, whatever his name is, and he said, because it's Mario, not his real name, but um, you mentioned how he reckons this episode was going to be the shortest, and I said, <laughs> now he said that I reckon it's going to be the longest, and by far, it's the longest. Easily. But I think are you going to edit anything out, or are we going to keep the full three hours? Because <laughs> no one's going to listen to a three-hour podcast. You, you're planning <laughs> to be to, fair, I think you're planning to do two things for tomorrow in your episode recording. I think yeah. you should just stick to one. One should you should be talking about one for about an hour. Uh, I don't so think I there's a lot to say, but I'll uh, I'll yeah I'll stick goes. with what I've got planned. But because... I don't think it helps. The, the two part that we chose to review is the most controversial, so there was so much to talk about. Yeah, I also don't think it's super wise to start reviewing two episodes as one thing, because there's a lot. Yeah. Um, I know we're doing that again as well next week, and now I'm starting to get a bit concerned about Which that. Which one are we, we doing next? Uh, no, don't recording that. next don't week, say anyway. Um, yeah, I won't say it, but yeah, it's certainly it's two episodes that make a two-parter, and I'm kind of like, oh, crumbs. Are we going <laughs> to... Are we going to have to severely cut down our thoughts? I'm, I know that I'm going to not be making as many notes even as I did. Um, so, Is it yeah. going to be heaven sent and hell bent? No, no, we're, no. Not, we're not covering uh, that. You'll just have to wait and see. No, that would actually take up way too long because there's a lot in those. I don't think it's, it's so much that there's a lot to say, it's just that it's two episodes that kind of throws me a bit. Okay, so Fair enough. Let, right. let's, news. let's finish this up. Uh, the news, oh, there is not, there is no news. Well, there is a bit of news, but I think we should just wrap this up there now. There is no news. There is uh, no news at all. Breaking news, well, nothing has happened. Everyone is fine. Yes. I'll probably have time tomorrow for news, but um, yeah, don't worry about the fact I'm doing two episodes. As I said, one of them is literally 12 minutes long, dude, and there's not much to say. So. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you for listening, and thank you, Andrew, for coming on. I hope you had a bit of fun. I and... had a lot of fun. Thank you for just letting me talk for, like, three hours about my favourite show. No worries. It was well, I hope people uh, listen because I really like us today. I barely spoke. <laughs> oh crap! Sorry, dude. Sometimes because R.I.P. Will, you know. I, <laughs> it's really funny because once we start reviewing specifically the timeless children, I think me and Mike just completely ran away with it, and Paul Will was just sat there like, "All right." All right. I was, I was just. Uh, and I'm the thing so is, sorry. I dude. want to give you guys room to talk, especially you being the guest. So I just thought, <laughs> go for it, and you were very. That, that's a bad idea. I can talk for hours. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, no, you were passionate about this. I, I was not passionate about this episode. I, I was just passionate about the first part because I had a lot to say about the first part. The second part, like I said, there's not much. There's not much to speak about, <laughs> other than the actual um, timeless children stuff. So yeah. that's why I just shut up and let you speak. <laughs> well, yeah, thank, still, thank you so I much for letting me come on. I don't think my rating would be as much of a shock to you if you actually heard what I had in my notes. Because I do have oh, negatives, I got positives that I just didn't mention, but it is what it is. <laughs> but yeah. Um, I will I be completely honest, I, I thought you'd go lower than a four, so to be fair. So yeah. Did I. So Listen, I'll, uh, I'll propose something to you now, and you can, it's your baby, you, you decide. This is a three-hour podcast and you haven't said your notes. Why don't we split this into two episodes, 
um, and air maybe on a Saturday and a Sunday that week, and then you can spend an hour maybe just giving your notes. No, no, no way. No Not now. I mean, like, I, I'm happy to have you bounce off me if you want to do it another time and then edit it in, but uh, yeah. it's well, up to you. going up next Sunday, so there's no much wiggle room. Good luck oh. editing it all. Yeah, I do apologise. I mean, this is only the third we're recording. We're still learning, but I, I did step over you. You're entirely there, Will, so it won't happen again. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's not a problem. And uh, I think we should clear it up now because we don't mention in episode three. Mike will be doing the podcast solo for one episode in episode four, which is with at Real Doc. I'm not sure who they are. Well, I know who they are, obviously, but I've never spoke to them voice to voice. Likewise with Andrew. This is the first time we've actually spoken. And no, I but I feel like I could talk. Uh, I feel like I could talk to Andrew for literally the rest of the day and not get bored. So uh, yeah. oh, don't, people don't, agree. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. As soon as this was done, I was literally about to message you, being like, "Okay, tell me more of your opinions." <laughs> yeah. um, but no, thank, it's been nice to actually talk to you properly, Will, rather than just messaging because we've been chatting for a very long time. I think it must have been about yeah. two years now, 2018, something like that. Yeah. So this yeah. is the first time we've actually spoken like vocally. And it's great fun on the podcasts. It's a well, shame the website didn't work. No worries. But thank you for letting me just ramble on about my favourite show for three hours. And yeah, thank you very much for having me on. Thanks for being an entertaining guest. Because uh, I, I hope people listen because I really think a lot of what you have to say should be heard. And I think you were entertaining for the whole three hours. I don't think we've had a bad guest. All three guests so far have been great. I think I'm a bit crap on all of the episodes, but I'm not a guest, so... <laughs> Absolutely not. You're a great host. <laughs> Can I just say, before we go, I wanted to mention this at the start. Uh, I, I know you're probably not, but it's kind of funny that you have the same name and the same accent. If I've even ever watched the What Culture YouTube channel, you sound exactly like Mike from What Culture. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I was... I sound like a lot of people because I also sound a lot like um, there's another guy who does like um, history of the Doctor and the Master and stuff, who's got a very similar accent to me. I can't remember his name right now, but yeah. Uh, now that you've uh, peddled uh, what culture, I think we should mention that dimensions of who, also named as Kuro, who owns the uh, Universe of Who website, is now a writer for what culture, and he's doing Doctor Who articles there. So if you 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 guys are still listening to this, be sure to go check out his uh, Twitter account and give him some love. That's really cool because I I watch Who Culture. That's their new YouTube channel for just Doctor Who, so that's cool. Yeah, and I think anyway, it was, right. uh, I think um, I yeah, just... before we wrap it up, I've got a new series of articles on the uh, on the website I just mentioned, Universe of Who, and it's basically the evolution of the soundtrack. And my first article has came out this uh, today actually, and it's talking about the origins of the theme tune. It's very interesting, in my opinion. Go go read it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Just to, I've quickly found that guy who sounds a bit like me, who I want to recommend as well. I don't know him, and he doesn't know I'm doing this, but it's a guy called Ace Creeper. That's the name of his YouTube channel, and he's he has fantastic. Oh, okay. Well, there you go. He does fantastic videos on the complete history of the Doctor, the Master, and various other things that I thoroughly really recommend checking out. Yeah, he's on the Chase uh, YouTuber special, which would be great fun. Oh, awesome. Cool. Yeah. Well, guys, thank you for watching. I've already given my thanks to Andrew Bell. Thank him again. Thanks for coming on, mate. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thank you. And if we do continue this into next year, I'd love you on as a third host. Oh, thank you. No worries. That's your, that's your official offer on the podcast. What? what? <laughs> I don't. I don't think my, uh, Mike would mind that, would you? 
No, not at all. And uh, we could alternate hosting duties and make it two at a time. And uh, any combination yeah. of the two of us would be great, I think, as well. So. Brilliant. To be fair, I think if it was just me and Will, it would literally just be like us chatting about how much we love the Moffat era. Yeah, it would just be like, oh, this is great, this is great, this is great. And then Mike, well, you're just going to sit there what, listening, going, oh. <laughs> I, I love Stephen Moffat, and if you want any further proof of that, tune into episode four um, for a Moffat episode that might surprise you. <laughs> Let's just say that. Oh, oh, I'm intrigued now. Right, oh, thank you for having me. Because it's not a conventional yeah. episode, actually. Just, nope. <laughs> and, uh, hopefully it's still written by Stephen Moffat, though. Is it the curse of Turtle Death? Uh, we can't, <clears> can't reveal. <laughs> wink, wink. All, all I will say is I will explain later. Yep. Okay. Just, uh, <laughs> when it comes to listening to it back, just enjoy the sofa of reasonable comfort, yeah? <laughs> yes, I, I definitely will do, definitely will do. Well, guys, thank you uh, for I'll have to find my etheric beam locators first. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, Will. Go ahead. Thanks, guys, for listening to this podcast. If you made it to the end, we all appreciate you so much. And listen to uh, three hours of YouTube just rumbling on about uh, Time with Children. I rate it. So thank you guys for listening. I hope to see you in episode three, which comes out next Sunday. Go and relieve your bladders. You'll need it now. With these yeah. two hyenas. I'll see you next week. Peace out. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 Bye.